Alright, welcome back to the Couch Command. Uh, it's been a while, and uh, so we aren't doing a normal episode today. We're getting those uh, organized in the future, but today I just have with me Isaac. Hey, thanks for having me again after your big move. Holy hell, man. Yeah, I, I, I got stories to tell forever about how it's just been an eight-month-long action sequence of like finding out I was on a sinking ship or a crashing starship and I had to move and then like it was all hopeless and then I'm just running around the ship just trying to get everything in order and then just barely as the ship goes through the atmosphere I leap out the hatch and land on top of a building and escape and yeah it's it's been a, it's been a road so yeah thank you thank you well congratulations on the other side I hope um you know you're in a good place. Yes. Financials uh, decent. You managed to survive the move and uh, you're in a better place for it. Yep. Yep. And uh, now that I live alone, like it's going to be even easier just to schedule podcasts, dude podcasts and not worry about roommates walking through or interruptions. So yeah, I'm hoping to get more podcasts and like uh, what's happening. Well, I'm not to jinx anything, but I'm going to start trying to have on some you know, bigger like uh, guests, not bigger. You're 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 still lobster magnet reviews for me, man. Like you're, you're still a big deal to me. I, I, I uh, all your stuff. I'm glad to hear it. It's always nice to have that appreciation, even when you're uh, rocking Vin Diesel with the the great shit post thumbnail <laughs> of a rocket of diesel engine. It's like, yeah, this is gonna win the internet. Yeah, oh, no, <laughs> fuck no, damn it. I yeah, I I, I that, that's a conversation, man. Like. I because like there's another YouTuber that I like called Comic Girl Nineteen, right? Yeah, she she uh she's had such an interesting career because she had like a real big high, and now she's just kind of like still like pushing through. Weird too, because like I saw her put out some new stuff, and it's fantastic, well produced, and like a couple hundred views. Like, what what YouTube? How does your algorithm work, man? Like. It's a cursed thing that everyone is stuck with because, you know, it, when it, it works great for viewers, not so much for creators, and they don't tell you why it works for uh, not so much for creators. <laughs> so the next guest that we do have coming up eventually is um, Christopher Kamen Lee, uh, who a lot of people will know as Andros from Power Rangers in Space, the oh. series they say that saved Power Rangers. Oh, damn. Uh, that's an exciting get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, like... Power Rangers in Space is, uh, it, it's up there in the debate of, like, best series of all time. I would say uh, he, Andros, his character, um, debate best Red Ranger of all time. Like, it was the Beast Wars moment of the franchise, if you're ever a Power Ranger fan. Mm. Uh, I think that, that kind of, like, uh, elevated it a little bit more and uh, breathed fresh air in the franchise. Yeah, like, uh, Transformers, like, G1, like, how it first started, uh... I loved it. Um, it. I wouldn't call it like you know the greatest stories ever made, but like you know it was the solid base, and that was like MM Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and whatnot. And then finally, like it did the sci-fi jump where like in Power Rangers Space, all of a sudden they started laying down like more solid world building and places you could be, different kinds of heroes and warriors that you could be in that world, and it all went to a knockdown dragout with all villains fighting at the end. It was yeah, so. <laughs> Yeah, the, event, 
the Avengers. So I know originally um, you wanted you were planning a big Boba Fett episode, mm-hmm. um, and you like you hold that off on that. But I, I am morbidly curious. Can we spend five minutes before we talking about other uh, all the other shit that's happened between the, you and the absolutely? Last time? And let's see how much we can hold ourselves back. But like I'm just thinking like with with podcasts like this, there's always more to talk about. And like if we go too far, like the other people that we also have on. Uh, they'll they'll add something new, and I don't know. I'll I'll try to hold back. Okay. Okay. Um, so j- just give me your five minute, your like four or five minute take. I, I have a bigger subject I want to bring in that I think uh you'll you'll like. Um, but uh, just give me your your your, your five minute take on B- Boba Fett. Uh, in the interest of something to dis- full disclosure, I think is how you say it. Uh, one of my high school friends is uh the prop master on the show, and Ooh. so like yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Um. His name's Josh Roth. Uh, you you can even see him in like the uh, behind the scenes stuff, and so uh, he might listen to this. And I'm a friend of his, so who can tell if how biased I have become as a result? <laughs> so I all right. So you you have a very positive reception. Uh, Pretty dang positive, but I understand because like I've been preparing for this uh, podcast by watching all these videos about how much people hate Good Boba Fett. <laughs> And trying to go, okay, why? Why? And, like, I, I've been figuring, trying to figure that out, and I, I'm pretty sure I get it now. But here's my take on why I like it. I'm not going to worry too hard. Because, like, in the first place, uh, I don't think we should ever be doing a Boba Fett TV series or movie at all. Like, he is a good six Ranger character who's, like, mysterious, shows up in action sequences, and you're like, holy shit, it's Boba Fett! That's what he is. He's not... A central character and like what we ended up getting you, you, there's just no way around it with like how the world is structured i'm sorry but you're not going to get people wanted to have true blue crime lord Starman who <laughs> will blow away bad guys if they talk wrong at him or something like that but what we had is we have disney plus and also uh timur i forget how to say his last name if you know, uh, I do not. I I'm not gonna risk risk that. <laughs> he uh, has put in so much work as the the central Boba Fett clone man guy for so many years. There's no way the company wasn't going to be just giving him his own TV series to say thank you. And that's what we're seeing. Like we're not seeing the Boba Fett series. We're seeing the love letter to this actor and letting him have some fun center stage. And I think that it was rushed. And that that's why everything looks really weird and cheap, because like I feel like they weren't expecting to make a Boba Fett show this soon. I think, and so they rushed it, and also on top of rushing it, they they hit with the constraints of not real crime boss, and then also hey, we love this guy. So as a result, you get a Boba Fett show that looks like this, and that's why I'm going to be happy with it because I'm like, all right, I see the form this has to take. And I'm going to chill out because all I want is, like, my my Star Wars to not hate Star Wars. <laughs> so, after, like, those movies, like, it's kind of like, yeah, like, uh, if, after experiencing The Last Jedi, it's not much that can really bother me these days. Which is also why I kind of like the Halo show. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, was my, that was my two, wait, so... Give me the connection. Yeah. What about it makes you like the Halo show? Oh man, like so, like I, I, I've been no, tra- so yeah. Yeah. save the Halo. Uh, we, we have a lot to talk because the two subjects I wanted to go into right, was right. Uh, 
Picard and Halo. Oof, Picard. <laughs> Picard is. I, I, I feel this. What you feel about Picard, I feel about Halo. But uh, so, 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 what about Boba, what about uh, Boba Fett reminded you, or what about Boba Fett made you uh, kind of remind Halo? Because I missed the last uh, thought. Because I I like both of them because I'm pulled back a bit because like so with uh with Picard he is actually supposed to be Jean Luc Picard. So this isn't like some alternate. It's not supposed to be an alternate stupid universe where nothing adds up to what he once was. Versus Halo, which is its own self-contained remix, so that they aren't getting things right that should be in Halo. That's fine because this is its own self-contained remix, and that's what I'm also getting with this of Boba Fett. Boba Fett, I, I I'm not taking it. The, the biggest complaints I see people having of Boba Fett is how much he's not Boba Fett. But if I'm going into this as like um, I'll take this as bootleg Star Wars, <laughs> where things aren't right, and just have more simple fun. So I'm changing gears. Uh, and then also, like, with the the uh, Mandalorian episodes that we're in, I loved those, because it was like, hey, special bonus episodes of, like, you know, this character in this show, I know... That changes the show, but I'm okay with it. Like now, I suddenly I get for two episodes, the production value just skyrocketed. Yeah, they put a lot more money in that. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like they had just more time and development for those that section versus like the rush job they were doing with everything else. So yeah, that's my take. I am the only person who likes Book of Boba Fett. I completely see its flaws. It is completely not real Boba Fett. But if you just let all that go. Much like with the new adventures of He-Man, you can enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I like this defense of Boba Fett much better than uh, your defense of the Suicide Squad, and I'm <laughs> more inclined to give you, uh, you know, sympathy and like I could see that. And I still think sh- about our arguments about Suicide Squad. Still, <laughs> like I'm sorry, guys, it's not that bad. No, it is. It is. God damn it. That's the kind of argument that makes me angry. While Boba Fett, I could agree that there's a sort of a charm, but obviously I'm on the hater side of Boba Fett. I think the mm-hmm. idea of a Boba Fett uh, TV series uh, was a bad idea. He's a su- mm-hmm. he's a fun side character, and, and basically the TV confirmed all the reasons. You can't do Disney cl- Crime Lord where, like, all Boba Fett's crime is, is he, he just, like, walks around and gets tribute for it. Mm. Like, like the benevolent Robin Hood crime lord is just boring. And, yep. you know, it doesn't need to be super gritty, but it needed to be something a little bit more involved. It also doesn't make sense of why he wants to be a crime lord versus the big mm-hmm. mercenary. Um, <laughs> the fact that, the, like, it transitions into a... Um, what you would call it, uh, a Mandalorian show just shows like there wasn't a lot of faith into the premise. I was also annoyed that the Mandalorian backtracks the baby Yoda to like he rejoins really with the Mando. I think like that to me, like you could do it maybe later on. They reunite, yeah. and it's a big thing. When, but- when he's getting his new starship and it had that little bubble place for one other dude, I'm like, yeah. oh, I, like, oh, oh, I think I know what's happening here. Yeah. 
And then you had the the Luke Skywalker thing, which uh, at first I was like, oh, this is so fun. But then when, uh, once I learned that they didn't actually have Mark Hamill voice it, that really pissed me off. Yeah. That, like, you've got, like, this guy who has, you know, is, like, one of the most well-respected voice actors. And, and you, you can't throw him a, a paycheck to do some new Luke lines that you can, like, yep. edit. It has to be computer-generated. Like, I, I can deal with the uncanny Luke. And I think, like, if you had the voice... Just like they had the real voice actress of the Cortana. Like, as mm-hmm. a longtime Halo fan, I was like, ah, ah, here's a nice little bomb to uh, mm-hmm. make me feel better. I'm less enraged if I just close. That's the that's the Cortana I remember. Uh, I, I think that would have gone a long way, but I do not like this, this, the CGI synthesis voice acting and the synthesis uh, Luke. Or I think you should have had Mark Hamill do a voiceover. Um, Agreed. I think that was, like, really disrespectful to not do that. Uh, and then uh, I think what really uh, – I'll, I'll say – I'll get into more detail when you do the more official thing. But one here, thing here, that really – Here, here, here about, um, I, can, I can lay down a uh, – nobody listens to this podcast anyway. We only have, like, a few, <laughs> few downloads. So All right, uh, uh, I'm going to so, say something uh, a little um, uh, sacrilegious. Uh-oh. I love Mark Hamill. I do. Uh, I think in live action, maybe he's not the best actor, and that's why <laughs> that's why they keep doing this to him, and I hate it, and I can I can tell it hurts. Like like with um with the Empire Strikes Back, he was really upset actually, where like he didn't get to act with everybody else. Like he really? got to be stuck oh, yeah, off. They, yeah, and Dagobah. He, yep, yep. Day in day out, he's like him away from like his friends and cast, so he didn't get to like you know play with them. And then, like, they did to him again in Last Jedi, and dude was fucking furious. But I, I, what I kind of wonder sometimes is, like, is if the reason is because his acting, oftentimes I love him, but I feel like I'm seeing him if it's live action. Except for the, the only thing that was uh, good about Last Jedi, which I was going to say for the Last Jedi podcast, is that uh, I think it might be the best acting performance I've ever seen him give. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason of that is because we are seeing him genuinely angry as fuck. Like, the Ryan Johnson freaking ran him through the ringer. And therefore, we got the most genuine performance from him. But it's from, like, a dark place. So, like, I think that's why oftentimes we don't get to see him on screen with other actors or whatnot. Because his performance isn't on the same level as Isaac Isaac or Daisy Ridley. Or well, I guess he was with Daisy Ridley. Is that... Well, Daisy Ridley is not, Daisy Ridley's not the, the greatest actor either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, was, he wasn't up against a great... Uh, uh, um, an, another actor there. So, yeah. So, do you get what I mean? Like, why... Yeah, like, uh, I understand that. And, like, like, seeing him and other stuff, each time I see him, except for Slipstream, that was really good. I liked him in Slipstream. But other than that, he's using... So I think that's part of why he gets kept apart. That that that, that makes sense. Like. Although, but I still think he's a really great voice actor, even if yes. he's not great on screen. And you, you could at least get him to, in the voiceover booth. And I'll accept CGI meat puppet Luke if you just have the real Luke do the voice. Fully agreed. And I, I yeah, it seems to be like if they even if they have to touch touch up his voice performance digitally, at least have him there and not yeah, like it is a little weird, but really well done. That the yeah. AI configured that? Holy shit. Yeah, it is an amazing showcase of technology. Um, I, I will not deny that. Um, but, like, I, I think that what drove me crazy about the um, the Boba Fett is that, like, at the end, uh, you had a um, 
a great storyline introduced. Uh, I'll just say this. They should have had Cat Bane at the very beginning uh, of the series. Mm. That should have been the story focus. It would have tied up to his uh, storyline from the Clone Wars. Uh, the idea that his like evil father figure comes back and then their philosophical approaches towards life forces them to clash would have made a much more interesting <laughs> series than like introducing a new problem and then it goes away. Oh, um, <coughs> here's the uh, uh, the Hut twins. Uh-oh, you're going to have to deal with them. Uh, oh, the Hut twins are fine. They're, they're gone in an episode. Oh, here's the Black Rancherman. Oh, the Black Oof. Wookiee's, uh, he's a good Wookiee now. Uh, yeah. Oh, here's here's the, the lame speeder bike gang. The Power I, Rangers. Okay, okay. I- I keep on trying to see, can I defend the lame Power Ranger speeder bike gang? And not really, but... Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay. So, because I was wondering, like, so... Because, like, we, we tried to talk about it earlier, like, so what does it take for me to get, like, angry and dislike something? And um, I think a lot of it comes down to caring. And, like, if I can see you cared and you fail, I'm still going to, like, you know... Give you a clap, like good job, like you, you tried, and like so the the speeder bike uh, gang, uh, I can tell that Rod Rodriguez was having the time of his life. Uh, <laughs> he was very happy with what he was doing, and always kept on coming up short. So like that, I could see that he was trying to have fun. That makes it okay with me. Versus like uh, the Star Wars movies where. Too aggressively, I, I felt like they didn't give a shit. Such as, like, Force Awakens. You have all the money in the world, yet you throw six X-Wings at a, at a planet buster. And, and then that was just kind of it. You guys don't <laughs> care, and that makes me angry. Oh, Luke uh, Skywalker just doesn't do the Force anymore? The guys got a story? Oh, you just don't care. But here, even though you got, like, freaking 1950s biker gang on Vespas, well, I saw the love. Here's my my defense. Like the ap- last episode is kind of a mess, but the reason why I enjoyed it is because it felt like Robert Rodriguez. He directed the last one, I think, right? Uh, pretty sure. It felt like he was smashing toys together. Yes, with, uh, five hundred million dollar budget. It's uh, fucking was exactly. It, was it great storytelling? No, but I appreciated the novelty of like seeing some guy just like have all the tools and tr- treating them like fucking toys. It felt <laughs> like yeah, watching that and also like the watching the um the speeder bike chase even like all of it looked like what it would look like if you were playing with toys. Yeah. It felt like like and then Bobo Fett rides the Rancor and he fights the robots, which I okay, <laughs> that I left out. Yes, that is also part of why I have some respect for it because I I know like what people want is like you know normal movies and TV shows and like it can be done that you can have great action and make it look you know quote unquote real but yeah the downgrade to and then my my motorcycle jumps makes a jump and it skids out and you're like okay yeah this is what it looks like when I'm playing with my when I used to play with my toys and also uh, did you see like there was like a like um, some kind of Behind the scenes thing with uh, Robert Rodriguez, where that no, is how I, he did. I, I, I did not see. The, I mean, I know they have them on Disney Plus. Um, where, where, uh, what was it? What was it like for the Boba, the book of Boba Fett? I'm sure they were like super interesting. Cause, it, it was there's there's one for the end of uh, the Mandalorian where Robert Rodriguez was stepping in, and he they literally did block out what he wanted to do in that sh- um, in that episode with action figures. 
Like <laughs> it was in the backyard. He, he, him oh, and his buddies. Yep, him and like some other people. I, I forget who we all he had, but it was like in his backyard. He was like, and then it would go like this. And it was he, he was doing what it looked like when me and my buddies used to play Star Wars as a kid. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. So. So, yeah. you know, it, it did make my, like, faith waver a little bit on the uh, the John Favreau, Dave Filoni dream team. Um, just because, but maybe you're right. Maybe it was just super rushed and they, you know, had, like, a pilot for season three of The Mandalorian, which they threw in there and then yeah. just jabbled together some Boba Fett to feed the beast of the content machine. Yeah, like, when I look up, um, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, a lot of the stuff that turns out looking and being so good is because they had a lot of a good amount of lead up time to plan things out, and then if they look like this, it's because we gotta get this done, and and like you got you gotta get all the sand on the set to do the this and that, and on paper like it probably looked great, and yeah, like I I, I just saw that while they came up short of making like Mandalorian level, um, I saw them care. They weren't just like. We're going to have Boa Fett on, so we we can just take him apart and and make him look bad and like, yeah, yeah. I feel like they didn't they didn't hate what they were doing. They liked it and failed. They, they were still they were still having fun, which uh, to me, like I uh, you know, it doesn't. Uh, I will understand your, your why you enjoyed Boba Fett. Because uh, I can enjoy the novelty of people getting to, you know, uh, just smash action figures together, even if it is not the greatest story, even if they're on missed opportunities, even if it mm-hmm. was a fundamentally bad idea. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, fundamentally like... bad idea. <laughs> but, that like, was... I, feel, I feel like the, the execs and, like, the fans, there's just no way anyone wanted to live without having a, a freaking Boba Fett something. And it just, it just forced this creation into being, and... This is what we're going to get if, like, they love that actor. And there's no way. Like, he has spent, like, 20 years or more doing that character. And there's no way they're <laughs> going to be like, we're going to make Boba Fett. And, yeah, not you, dude. Like, what? Yeah, not you. Well, I, I think that's a good segue, though. It's interesting you should mention that to what I will call our trilogy of failures. And our mm-hmm. first trilogy of failures is <laughs> the Matrix Resurrections. Ooh. Do, do, do you know the, bad, the, the behind-the-scenes reason why they didn't get Morpheus back? Or uh, no. Hugo Weaving? No. Or I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't either. I don't know if it was like a budget issue, if they just declined it. Um, the Morpheus thing really pissed me off. Um, because like I, I think Lawrence Fishburne would be happy to come back, and I think Morpheus, like you, you, you ever seen the Imagination Land trilogy of uh, South Park? Yes. So you know, in it they have like that council of good characters, uh, and it's like all the sage mentor characters you you loved as a kid and would love to have, and it's like you know Luke Skywalker, uh, mm-hmm. Glinda the Good Witch, um, Aslan the Lion, Gandalf. Uh, and Luke Skywalker, Jesus, and who else is on that <laughs> list? Morpheus. And, and to me, that that like speaks to how much um, weight that character had uh, in cinema as like one of the greatest mentor characters, as like one of the most beloved good guy characters. That like he went on this like fictitious uh, council of good guys. That he he was uh, as beloved as, as Luke Skywalker and Glinda the Good Witch, and uh, you know I use that example, <coughs> and it, it just to, like 
I forget the name. I, I can't pronounce the actor's name who they used to replace the not Morpheus. Yeah. But it was such a, like, you couldn't bring back, like, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. You couldn't oh. find an excuse. With Morpheus, the, the, the slightest hint of what might have happened was, I think there might have been a falling out with him and the Wachowskis. Mm. Like, I feel like I saw something where he, they, it doesn't seem like they talk anymore. Um, and I, I forget what happened. And, like, they, they, they did to keep on punking his character after the first movie. Like, and... <laughs> and then, then, la- then, lastly, like age does happen. Lawrence is he's pretty out of shape these days, so he doesn't need to be running around and kicking. He just needs to true, say true. smart things and give guidance true. and help you realize your inner potential. <laughs> Although um, he stopped, yeah, they, they for some reason they stopped making him. Yeah, they stopped making him that as of like I think even the second movie, and they that was that up, was the uh, that was Jada the big mistake. That was the big mistake in the second movie is that they kept on putting him in action sequences and Lawrence mm-hmm. Fishburne did not have the action action guy body. Yeah, but like then they also they, they started tra- they t- they started moving the leadership over from him to Jada Pinkett. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, well, because they did a lot of like you, you ever you remember the story of the great transmedia uh, Matrix video games? Yes. Where they had like a whole story focused on Jada Pinkett's character and uh, go- the other guy Ghost, and they they actually like used some of that Warner Brothers money to film like full uh, yep. live action cutscenes. Then that was always an impressive uh, endeavor back in the day, which I was always like still commend the Wachowskis for like being that bold to like uh, elevate the because can- like oh god, there's this- someday uh, I'll make either a video or a discussion about this. But like, mm-hmm. have you ever heard about the Lucas hierarchy of canon? Uh, I think so, but please say it again. So, let me pull it up so I can actually... Lucas Hierarchy of Canon. So, back when George Lucas... Um, George... Sorry, I just want to, like... There's this um, picture I want uh, to have while referencing. So, basically, the idea was that, like, because there was, like, Star Wars... Um, there we go. So, first, there, there's, like, different le- levels of canon. As you know, there's many things. There's Star Wars, the original films, there's the TV spinoff, there's the books, there's the comic books. Uh, so, Lucas implemented this hierarchy uh, of canon. So, mm-hmm. the G canon is the George Lucas canon. That is the highest level of canon. Those are the six movies that George Lucas did. Nothing uh, that goes uh, that is made below it can uh, contradict anything in G canon. Um Next is Clone Wars, television canon. Uh, Clone Wars uh, is the next highest level of canon. Um, it can't contradict anything in the G canon, but um, nothing, um, but it's higher in the hierarchy. So all the things mm-hmm. that are below it can't contradict with the Clone Wars. It is more authoritative. Uh, if the Clone Wars says something happens and a book has some conflicting information, uh, it d- doesn't count. The, that is the canon that is higher above the uh, T canon. Then mm-hmm. there's the C canon, which is the all-expanded universe, books, comics, video games. Um, C canon cannot contradict T or G canon, and if it does, it's disregarded, and it is the lowest in the hierarchy. You could completely forget about it. And then there's, um, whatchamacallit, the non-canon, which is Star Wars Infinities and alternate endings to video games, like the one where, this, you know, Force Unleashed, where you kill Leia and Luke and all the other people. And, like, the Disney Star Wars movies, right? 
No, this is before. <laughs> this is pre Disney. Yeah, okay. I guess it's Disney Star Wars. If you can say wink, that. wink, you wink, wink. So in transmedia, like everyone loves transmedia, the idea that like you can have a property, have it exist in multiple mediums. Uh, you tell this huge, expansive story. Some do it better, uh, and I think one of the great pioneers uh, were the Wachowskis uh, back with the Matrix in two thousand two, two thousand three. Uh, because they had this multimedia project where they had comics, they had the Animatrix, they had um, the video games. And the philosophy that uh, connected all of them is that all the Matrix canon was relevant. You know, the video games were canon to the movies. Uh, it wasn't that the video games were lesser than the movies or the Animatrix was lesser than the uh, the video games. It was mm-hmm. all uh, different parts of a singular whole uh, so they were really good at uh, orchestrating that. Uh, obviously, in today, you know, there's all kinds of different universes, all kinds of different mediums. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think one of the reasons why uh, manga is so successful in anime is because there's always the prime manga timeline, timeline, which doesn't have a bunch of derivative spinoffs where it just gets confusing uh, to an audience. Um, but I, so I guess, uh, what do you think of the Matrix Resurrections? Um, that was a travesty. That was terrible. <laughs> that is an example of someone doing stuff and seeming like they hate it. Uh, like, oh no, that 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 yeah. There, there was so much wrong. Um, like the problem that I, I noticed a long time ago uh, was where I found a way to like you know there, there's like apps you can get that allow you to surf every movie ever made that's on the internet so that you can like watch by the year and just find out what happened in 1983 and like, Oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard of any apps like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's like, it's like Cody and there's other stuff that you can find on YouTube that you can like hack into like a fire stick or your streaming thing of choice. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, being able to go through the movies like that was beautiful and fun and eye opening on like how the further back you go, the less the characters acknowledge they're in a movie. And that's the hugest problem that I'm running into lately, where with new Star Wars, it knows too much that the Star Wars movies are a thing. And it seems to acknowledge that we're in a Star Wars movie, and this is what a Star Wars is. And then, like, The Matrix, they're doing that too now. Like, instead of doing a true sequel that everybody wants, like, where what else can happen in this weird-ass world where... These things are in play. Please, you know, dazzle me. But instead, they made an allegorical tale on, like, rebooting their own show and how much they don't want to do it. And you're just like, <laughs> guys, like, who do you think this is going to light up the cinema? It, I don't know. Yeah, just. It, it was weird. They were, like, trying to write themselves a hall pass, but also trying to be. Well, there was only one sister involved. Um, Lana, I think Lana was the one who did it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only one sister was involved, and it, it was, like, a horrible mess of, like, trying to write yourself a get out of jail free card while also being like, I'm so clever. We're calling out Warner Brothers. (laughs) Which was just insufferable. And then when it became time, we're like, oh yeah, now we're into like Matrix mode. You you lost all your sense of goodwill that even bringing back the Merovingian is just kind of like, I I don't care. This is a stupid story. (laughs) Action spam. They freaking did action spam. 
it, it, um, it wasn't even good action spam. It was like less creative. It was just like Neo, like all he did was do like the superhero energy blast Ooh. again and again. Yeah, and then like you know, like like um, dust ups that don't add up to much of anything, such as like when the Merovingian and, and that those people attacked, and it looked like it looked like it was Netflix caliber. <laughs> when I was looking at that, I was like, "What?" Yeah, so oh, so like yeah, I, I think this is like another one of those cases of um, uh, well, I, I was gonna say what what seemed like them not having enough time, like. Have time. It's like like uh, I've been seeing these videos about like you know the background of Lord of the Rings again, and uh, they've been like more videos about like how we had years to prepare for everything, and that will never happen again, and that's why it was so good. And mm, we don't yeah. have time. Even Things even just, Peter yeah. Jackson couldn't remake the Lord of the Rings with the Hobbit trilogy. Yep, yep. He also didn't have all that blessed lead time that I, can change everything. I hated the Hobbits until I saw a behind-the-scenes movie where they showed Peter Jackson just like, you know, and they showed them like we we we're filming fighting B-roll and Peter Jackson just like I, I don't have enough time. I I I, oh. I, I, I <laughs> he was just like completely defeated during lunch breaks, just desperately trying to like put shit together, and you felt so bad for him. Yeah, I, I was like I that was a ginormous fan of those movies. I watched I watched uh, all the extended and like all the extras. Then I listened to. At least two or three different audio tracks, for commentary for those movies, and uh, I I do remember throughout all of them, there was like this constant like oh like uh, Peter Jackson just like oh my god I will never do this in my life ever fucking again, <laughs> only once am I doing this, I'm so happy but oh my fucking god never again do I want to do this ever again, and then all the way leading up to the uh, Hobbit he's like by the way fuck doing this again everybody. Don't expect me to do it. We got a good man here, Del Toro. He's going to take care of it. Oh, fuck. Del Toro fell through. <laughs> oh, shit. I have to do this again. I, I need once more into the breach. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It sounds like you saw that he was suffering. Oh, uh, uh, maybe I'll find the clip and I'll see if I can find it, send it to you. It was uh, really eye opening and it made me a little bit more sympathetic because I was not a huge fan of the Hobbit movies. Uh, but wait, but, wait. Uh, what, what was your feel? What was your feelings and thoughts about uh, that Matrix madness? Uh, I uh, despise. Yeah, you're right. We're getting uh, so I, I hated it. Uh, I, I thought it was terrible. I mm-hmm. thought that they were trying to like write themselves, write her way out. Like, uh, I, I guess what would what have made like there are a lot of ways you could have tackled the Matrix sequel. The only times I really liked it when it felt like a genuine – it was funny. My favorite canceled uh, former writer, filmmaker, Max Landis, um, pointed this out. that like Sequels are satisfying when they have narrative progression. So as stupid as it was to have like, oh, here's the glowy light moth and here's uh, a, thousand ant- a million ants ball Morpheus in the real world. Mm-hmm. As dumb as those things were, they at least felt like interesting narrative progression in terms of like, mm-hmm. oh, the machines separated into two factions and then they fought each other. And I was like, ooh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. I like this five second of the machine civil war. I want more of this. Ooh, this is exactly – and then there's a new city. Uh, you know, so I, I kind of enjoyed that. But it was under just too much uh, crap. I hated the fact that it was like all around. Oh, we gotta uh, find Trinity again, and it's this great big mm-hmm. uh, unrequited love story. It's like, 
you know, one of the interesting things is like a lot of people have argued that the, um, the Matrix is a trans allegory. And mm-hmm. I, I'm of the opinion that like I don't think it is. Uh, you nope. could read uh, trans things into it. And they've even yep. said um, – uh, the, you know, uh, we weren't really going through our transition when we made the Matrix uh, yet. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's uh, although like retroacti- you, retroactively, they're starting to say that it was. Yeah, there, there's a little bit where people are like, "Yeah, I, I feel like if you wanted to make that trans allegory story, uh, that you know, you could have done that, and I'm sure you would have like uh, gotten a lot of praise and a lot of good press from that." So I'm not quite sure, like, why they wanted to do, you know, this is this great love story for people who supposedly hated each other on set. <laughs> why Tr- Trinity and uh, Neo was the, uh, you know, entry point. Uh, but, like, all so the real, real, real quick, I just want to say, like, um, so the, the trans allegory thing, I think, uh, is, so a great story is universal. It's for everybody. So that... Like, uh, the trans allegory thing is, I think, um, this is a experience. There's a, there's a baseline experience that all humans experience. And therefore, that's why, like, so many people fall in love with it. Because for myself, like, uh, my, uh, life experience was, um, growing up and not being, like, how a black person is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, that was a nightmare to try and navigate as a kid. And, but then, like, eventually I found, like, a couple heroes that really, like, nailed in, like, no, it's okay. Be who you are. And don't worry about what the system tells you you're supposed to be. So, like, when um, Neo says, my name is Neo! Like, every human felt that. We're like, <laughs> hey, fuck that. I am who I am. So that trans, black, everybody. So... As well, a true, great story, it, yeah, everybody it's, should feel it's it. It's like a really broad hero analogy of like uh, finding yourself. It's kind of like a more broader universal story, which is why it was you know so successful and like mm-hmm. one of the definitive movies of the the nineties, early two thousands. Uh, then it the seems like people was. are trying to take that away by saying, "No, it's a trans <laughs> allegory," and we will only talk about that. And like, it's such a limiting way of thinking about like how a person can be and I, I yeah. mean, the, there's stuff there but i don't think it was the main focus i think it was like uh, you know kind of a broader you know by that Hero. same argument you could say like oh is spider-man transitioning to spider powers a trans allegory yes no. <laughs> you, you it, it's a that. it's a great hero tale yeah, it's a great hero. You can say that about any sort of hero tale or dual identity, uh, whatchamacallit. Uh, but, but, like, I, I guess if you leaned into that angle for a Matrix sequel, you could have done that. That would have been a better choice. But uh, just a lot of, like, terrible decisions. And then that end where it's like, uh, Neil Patrick Harris, like, he had the smarm, but he never felt threatening. And nope. the idea to like try and be like, oh, bullet time. <laughs> well, I've got a new super bullet time, and here's yeah. swarming. And uh, it is, <laughs> yeah, like, hey, bullet time is a movie term, sir. Not, not a <laughs> in universe term. You, you, okay, whatever. Yeah, it, it was like, very. I, yeah. I, when I start seeing that- like how much people don't care about a product that's when i start getting mad because like (laughs) all the fucking up that boba fett did they did care they didn't do it because they're trying to make a comment on like how much they don't want to make a boba fett show they just you know came up short because you know bad creative choices and whatnot but yeah 
Yeah, like I, I guess it was also off putting the trying to write yourself a get out of free jail card. And I, I think I would have accepted it. I would have been a lot more if they didn't have the Jonathan. It was funny. I, I remember when I saw it, I was watching it with my gay brother, and he's like, oh my God, the gays are going to love this. Uh, Jonathan Ooh. Graham, we love the gays. He was in looking. Oh, Leo Patrick Harris, they're fighting. Oh, this is amazing. And, and mm-hmm. maybe it was for the queer community, but I, I would have rather had, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Hugo Weaving to be. Wait, wait. Did your brother you like it? No. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> he, he despised it just as much as I okay. did. Uh, we were because, like, sometimes I wonder if, like, if things, like, that there are certain pandering things that happen, but it can still end up making a genuine experience for someone that, like, they get to see it differently, and therefore, eh, maybe it's good to some people. To, to him, it was but, just, like, fun drag race gay pandering, but mm-hmm. not much else. It didn't make the movie. It didn't make it a good movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it, uh, I, I, have you podcasted with my friend Sabrina yet? I don't think so. Not yet. No. Uh, she said a great quote a while ago, which was, "There's no substitute for genuinely giving a shit." Yeah, and that was um. Like, <laughs> that comes down you, to you, like you, you. You did tell me that quote though. Yeah, like the like. Hey, if we force you into making another Matrix movie, will you genuinely give a shit? No. <laughs> but like, yeah, that's what why I wanted to like you know I wanted them to go on without the Wachowskis. Or yeah, I think I did. But that always doesn't always end up being good because, like, I thought that we didn't need George Lucas. And, <laughs> then and you learn this that. Is what, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Well, so. it's like I feel like someone else might have been able to do interesting things because, like, for me, I would have loved to have seen like an Inception level set piece where you have like something is going on in the Matrix that's also affecting like the sci-fi shit in the real world, and mm-hmm. there are like multiple levels that that would have been a cool action sequence. I, thought, I, still I think keep on thinking that's where they're, I keep on thinking that's where they're going to go every movie. Ever since the first one, but they keep not doing that. Yeah, it, it's super disappointing, and uh, like uh, it, it's a universe I still like and would love to see things with. Um, but you know, I made that video talking about like soft reboots are the coward's way out, and to their credit, it wasn't a hundred percent a soft reboot. There was narrative continuation, so I guess on that level, I appreciated it. But I, I think the you know, oh man, check her out, she's a total milf. What was the <laughs> Matrix? WTF? Oh, <laughs> so not good. yeah, with sequels, like I want to see what happens next in this insane new reconfigured world. But what I keep like, so like, I think like Mahler said something like this, where uh, in between the sequels and the original trilogy, it sounds like a genuinely great story happened, which is the same Uh, for the (laughs) matrix in between that and that a genuinely great story seemed to have happened that a lot of us wanted to see, but instead they say that there's like a middle awesome thing that happened now we just redo the first movie. Like, uh, no. Oh, and I, I despised, like, all those, like, times where they, like, would play the clips from the movie. Ugh. That yeah, was just, that was sad. Just, it was like, and it did it in a way that was, like, trying to, like, ooh, isn't this smart? <laughs> like, there was one review that I, I really despised from IndieWire. was like, this is the most radical sequel since The Last Ugh. Jedi. Oh, Jesus. And it's like, no, this is not a deconstruction. This is just like an apology card. I- I'm making fun of myself. <laughs> but I'm also going to try and tell a sincere story. And it was just the worst level of satire. Like, I, I don't think the Wachowskis can do comedy. <laughs> I don't think it's in their mm. DNA. 
No, yeah, yeah. I I don't remember too many good laughs ever from them. Uh, Speed Racer maybe had a couple moments that made me smile. Have you yeah, seen I mean, Speed Racer? I have seen Speed Racer. Okay. I, I I know Speed Racer has got has this like weird cult following where people. I was not a fan. Maybe I need to revisit it, but I will say Speed Racer, you know, had cute moments, but it was incredibly earnest, which is kind of like ha- gained this weird cult following amongst, uh, you know, cineastas. It's, it's top five, like, all time for me. Uh, it has sometimes taken the number one spot. So, like, when I first saw it, I went there to hate watch it. Like, I was, I had, like, my hater boots and pants on. Like, I, I, I glared at the ugly poster and like I was like one of the only people in the theater to sit down in that theater as IMAX. I was like, all right, let me see the grand failure of the Warchowskis. And then like by the time it was over, I was speechless. It was so fucking amazing to me. I sat down through the whole entire credits and I was like, oh my god. And then like I, the third time I saw it, I cried. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love that movie so much. Um, and I think I'm bringing it up just because we're talking about the Warchowskis. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing to bring up because it speaks to, I guess, maybe their strengths was just ultra sincerity and not condescending satire. Mm-hmm. It, it, when they're doing like satire, it feels like bad Rick and Morty fan fiction. Like, yeah, like just you know, ask these creators: Do you really want to come back? If they don't, I guess you needed it, a payday because, like, you know, the Wachowskis have not had a win in a long time. Yeah, which is a shame because I think. They are, I think they're an important creative powerhouse. Like, I actually loved uh, Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> I know. Some people like that. It's like, is becoming like this uh, camp classic in a way. Good. Good. I I would love to talk about that movie. I had, I, I know it's a goddamn mess, but I clapped at the end of that. It was such a all out, bizarre, crazy sci-fi fest. That was, I had so much fun. <laughs> um, what else have you been geeking on? What, what's been taking up? Well, do you you want to uh, you want to no, finish no, the trilogy up? of failure? Oh to, yes, I do. Um, and trilogy then, of failure. Maybe we'll, we'll get into positive things. So now we <clears throat> the next to the trilogy of failure is Picard. Oof. Um. So, so how's that Picard? I, I am loving the red letter media coverage. I hope that they don't stop. Yes, it. <laughs> it, it's worth watching Picard for the red letter media coverage. Um. So I have this theory that uh, the people who make those shows have been listening to these podcasts that I've been making with another Star Trek podcast. <laughs> um, well, how do you think like, they address your complaints? Because to me, it's, it just seems they, that they double down in the worst way possible. Well, that's fun. That, that's, that's what's funny. Like the first episode, the way it starts, it sounded like they're like, we heard your complaints, all of them, Keith and Red Letter Media. And we're addressing all of it. Like, they start off, they're all in. There's just lots of Starfleet uniforms everywhere. We're on a Starfleet <laughs> shit vessel that is beautiful. It's the Stargazer. Like, oh, wow. And, like, the, the set was beautiful. And then, bam. Now we're on present day Earth. Haha, <laughs> got you again. Like, oh, no. Oh, God, no. And, yeah, they started off, like, doing everything I asked for. And then went, yeah, quadrupled down into, like, we have to save Picard's Mary Sue... Uh, ancestor, great ancestor, and like the, the it just it perplexes me how you could have like Star Trek was always basically space commies. It was always kind of left leaning, and how you can like fuck that up so tremendously by just having this like 
condescending, preachy storylines. Oh, wow, 2024, there's no hellhole worse than this. Oh, Trump's going to yeah. take over. It's like, oh, my God. And then, then everyone's like, um, <laughs> like kind of, uh, you know, degrading Picard. And it's like, then there are like all these terrible sub Star Wars action storylines in Oof. it. And, and, and <laughs> I love how they wait, talk. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what do you mean like that? What do you mean by sub Star Wars action stories? Like uh, I've yet to see Picard, and one of these days I might just sit for it through through it through a hate watch. Oh, um, just because you I've haven't watched my, it. I, I've my experience is solely through the red letter media, which I love. Um, <laughs> and just seeing- it is it is so much fun to hate watch. I actually there's a version of enjoying it that I have that's so bad that the, the Discovery got so bad I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> uh, Picard is so bad that it's fun. To watch, like to me, I I, I saw my buddy Max. Like uh, Picard is the fuck up of the Star Trek. I, I, and if, if if there are people listening to my podcast that do the show, please don't take any of this personal. I, I am always saying all I'm doing is saying like how I feel about my reaction to art, which is never <laughs> meant to, to like you know hate on anybody. But like, um, yeah, we consider like you got like the gold standard of TNG. You got like the 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 highest mark of DS9 and then you got the fuck up that is Picard <laughs> that just does whatever it wants it copies mass effect it doesn't it doesn't even starkly. do a good job it just feels like imitation star wars like edgy star wars oh yeah 7 of 9's going to shoot people and have a random massacre and oh there's a fucking romulan ninja oh, and, and yeah. then there're psychic space plants that, 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 but hey riker came to save the day for some reason and we played the nostalgic music you like <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it, yeah, we we like 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 everybody's saying like we are seeing action uh Patrick Stewart. Yeah, like that that's the biggest problem with the show is that what you're seeing is not John Luke Picard. You're seeing adventure Patrick Stewart. Patrick that, Stewart that, 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 would be Han Solo. That that is like that is the worst idea. They they did that with like the later uh, TNG movies and they, they yes. were mediocre. Like here here's a really hard question for you, uh Keith. Mm-hmm. What do you like better? Star Wars or Star Trek in the totality? Totality. Yeah, I've uh, thought about this question my entire life. Um, and in totality, I'll say Star Wars. Uh, that's Maybe. a reasonable take. And I think Star Wars at its heart is more fun. But yeah, and I more do, versatile. And more versatile. But I do think, like, pound for pound, there have been better, more meaningful uh, written Star Wars stories than there have been Star Trek stories. I mean, there's been better Star Trek stories than there have been Star Wars stories. Yes. Okay, that I can agree. Like, the there's been far more good Star Trek content than Star Wars. Like even like the bat, you know the the Trek series of like uh, Voyager and uh, mm-hmm. you know Enterprise. Even they have like these great little ethical dilemmas, and that's always the best like moment of uh, Star Trek, where you have this like big uh, solution, like oh we found this species, and there's these two races that share the same planet, and this race is dying mm-hmm. out, and maybe this race is going to inherit it. What what should we do? Yep. Is it our right to stop? Uh, Yep. This species from inheriting its natural evolutionary destiny, or should we like uh, you know indirectly be participated in genocide? And, and yep. like the, 
those are like the that that's Star Trek. That's the best. Uh, John Luke having like a really great Shakespearean debate. Um, that that's when Star Trek is at its best. Star it, Trek it sticks will always- with you forever. It makes you think about stuff throughout your entire life. Um, that there's like that. I'm if, if there's ever a drinking game around uh, the podcast, I do drink every time Keith brings up the Star Trek episode that ended his homophobia. Like, <laughs> I, I, have I told you about that? I th- I think you refresh me. I think I thought I've heard the story, but give me a refresher. Um, real quick, it's like uh, the the episode where they go to the asexual planet and Riker falls in love with one of them. Yeah, I, I think I remember that that episode. Yeah, they were like, like a I, parasite. Yep. No, 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 no. They're 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 an asexual race of people mm-hmm. where they're neither male or female and neither have a preference for male or female. But then like Riker shows up and like one of them does have a preference for male or female has a preference for male. And therefore, that's like the gay allegory where uh, this one person is an aberration and then she gets caught and then she gets um, kind of like she gets she goes through like a process and they, they make her asexual again. And they mm. quote unquote fix her, and like, but she gave the speech that like said like, "Who are you to tell me how I love?" And then in that moment in my life, I suddenly went from being against gay folk to going, "Oh my god, I'm the bad guy this entire time!" <laughs> oh my god, and like it just like all these doors just like opened. I was like, "Holy shit, that was good!" Like, but if they had done like the straight, just saying like, "And you should be okay with gay people," like. You know, that's not yeah, going to, like, make I, I, me think. That's another big difference between, like, the Discovery slash, um, uh, you know, the new era of Trek and uh, Picard versus, like, old Trek. Old mm-hmm. Trek was not afraid to, like, not give you, you know, the agreed-upon liberal right answer. Uh, exact to, like, right answer. Yeah, the, the exact right answer. The person who's the designated Nazi doesn't always, you know, doesn't always have to get punched or mm-hmm. get their comeuppance, and sometimes it, it, it deals in that moral murky gray thing versus, you know, the Yas Queen moment, and you know that that's what made Star Trek great. Yeah, it it it, it used to teach, and it did it well, and now like they throw on the screen. By the way, Ice is cartoonishly evil with. Only like one-dimensional racist running it. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's all we're saying. Like, oh, and we're out. We're gonna go AI. Guys, what are you doing? Like, you're on national television, getting paid millions of dollars. Do you remember what Star Trek is? It's so weird because like there's so much money going into it, and like I've seen articles on like left leaning sites like Polygon and Kotaku, who you know the exact kind of audience who's supposed to love this shit, and even they don't like it. So I I have no idea like where are are the where are the, the discovery stands? Is it just like this keep on thing that they just keep on financing uh, because Alex Kurtzman has made so much money on Transformers movies? Like, the, like I've, I've asked, I've been trying to figure this one out actually because. Like by all accounts of how entertainment once ended up, like Discovery and Picard should not be continuing to get new seasons. But um, I, I there's like this new YouTuber guy, he's an older dude. Uh, oh yeah, I've seen once... you linking his stuff, and I've been watching a lot of that. The former network executive guy. Yep, he, he, he's good. I like him a lot. Yeah, he answered my question about like, so if they're doing so bad, how do they keep getting seasons? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> like the, something changed where how companies. Now, because they get so much money, like Amazon gets so much money and the subscription money, that they don't have to care about ratings. 
I, if that's the case, then a lot of things get canceled. Yeah, things to a degree, but they, they still have data and things still get fucking canceled. I mean, it's a lot easier to hide a failure. And maybe it's just the perception of it, because that, that is the weird thing about the streaming wars, because, like, oh, God, there's such an interesting thing with, like, Netflix is now taking a huge hit. Uh, I lost a lot of fucking money on Netflix right now. Hmm. Um, uh, what, but, um, you know, some people say, like, oh, wow, it's uh, because uh, Netflix got woke, and, uh, you know, I don't think that's entirely the case. Uh, but I do think that, like, Netflix has reached a saturation point where they've mm-hmm. lost a lot of their, leg- you know, the older stuff that they used to. Now it's been, you know, with our powers combined, uh, st- now streaming is cable. Yeah, besides Cobra Kai, uh, there's no need for me to have it. I mean, they're, they're, they're scattered around, but uh, here's what I think is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see the death of the binge model of releasing soon. I think um, it, it was, I mean, I, I'm not against binge viewing, but I, I, I think... Um, I'm against it, but I can't see it going away because it seems like that's like a basic... Well, They, it, they tapped into a basic human thing that makes them money. It's never going to go away in the sense that like people aren't going to stop. But I think we are going to see a return to weekly releases. All right, all right. That I, that I'm totally okay with. And you think Netflix has Netflix ever given into that whatsoever? They they have for a few of their um, uh, reality shows. They've done weekly releases, and a few of right, their animes good. they've done weekly releases. Um, and and um, they've done staggered things where they divide things into parts. I think they're doing that with Stranger Things. But I think it was from a content, just from a strategy point of view, I think it was one of the worst decisions they uh, they ever made. They got away with it because they were the purveyors of it, and it, on purpose. It, it sounds great, uh, but like basically, you put like two hundred million dollars into this stupid thing, and um, it, the conversation is over in a weekend. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, that's been my biggest problem with it. Like Cobra Kai, every episode is so fucking good. But, like, I, there's no chance for anyone to talk about a single episode ever. Like, it's over by time. Because, like, yeah, people, like, just watch the entire thing. Then don't really talk about it. Yeah, and then, then it's over. Then, like, nothing is, like, so good that it, like, stays in the cultural consciousness mm-hmm. for more than, like, two or three weeks. And then it just becomes, like, another thing at the buffet dish. It just becomes expendable. It doesn't like become. Once a week with uh, Cobra Kai. You'd have so much to talk about with like what happens and and people changing like allegiances and progress and like even just digging into each fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's so much, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I I hope you're right about them getting rid of the binge model, but like the binge I model seems like it, it. It seems like it makes money. I think. I think, like, you're going to see people, like, I, I think it's gotten to the point where, like, uh, Amazon or Prime is now rolling out the series, or they'll pull out, like, two or three episodes to premiere, and then they'll roll them out. HBO mm-hmm. Max is doing that uh, more often uh, with their big series. And I, I just think as a promotion strategy, it's uh, better, because, like, originally the media landscape would work like this. You'd have the theatrical release, uh, and then you'd get, like, a second wind on digital. Uh, once it released uh, on VHS or DVD, uh, and that, that 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 was how like movies that didn't do well uh, in theaters could have a second wind, or, or in some cases even find new audiences. Like if you remember Austin Powers, which mm-hmm. was not a success in theaters but became a big phenomenon thanks to home video. That I don't think I know at all. Yeah, yeah you positive no. on that one? hundred uh, percent. Um, here, okay, let me yeah. pull it up. Um, I do believe you because that sounds so absurd. It has to be true because in my memory, like. Then my memory makes it feel like 
that first movie hit like a nuke and everyone was talking about it. But now I'm not sure. I'm looking Cause at did it. I see it in theater? Actually, oh, um, you might not have. Wait, that's the whole. All right, yeah. Austin Powers: Man of International Mystery cost sixteen million dollars and it made sixty-seven million dollars. Oh wow! All right. Yeah, so the you know not terrible for like mm-hmm. a comedy in the nineties, but like not great. Yeah. Not while Austin Powers two made uh, nearly three hundred million. There so, you go. Okay. <laughs> you could see that. Uh, Interesting. Austin Powers two made nearly three hundred million, and then uh, or no three made three hundred million, and then I want to get the second one. I know that was like the biggest success. That made yeah three hundred million was the, for the second one, so th- they both did much better. Um, but like versus streaming, you just have your launch date, and, and I guess you hope you have enough buzz and keep those subscribers coming, and then the, 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 then it's gone, and then it's uh, you know maybe there's a fandom, maybe you sell ancillary you know, uh, merchandise, maybe you sell Funko Pops. But it's not as much of a windfall as, like, a TV series on syndication. So I guess here's my prediction of what I think is going to happen. I think uh, what's going to go go on is um, I think series – eventually all the streaming services are going to offer a free version with supported with ads. And what they'll do is they'll have, like, basically, like, several live streams running, which will basically function like TV channels. Hmm. Because I, I think people miss the idea of, like, not having to scroll through a menu or spend, like, a minute typing in through their shitty remotes mm-hmm. or console controllers the title of what mm-hmm. they want to watch. Uh, I think there's a novelty of, like, old-fashioned cable of just, like, turning on Comedy Central and just having your stupid background noise. And I, I'd probably watch a lot more Netflix uh, 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 Netflix's stupid reality shows if they just had them on, like, a 24-hour stream that basically functioned as a TV channel with commercials. Like, it's, like, it's funny how, like, uh, the old technology is, like, going back to, uh, you know, what we had before. My, the, the, my biggest thing of missing what we had before is, like, everybody being on the same page... And everybody talking like yeah, like the the Game of Thrones, like everybody's talking about that latest episode. Holy shit! Versus, lol, I just watched it in one day, and that's like what people have to say about the show. Yeah, I, and I, don't, I, I do feel, also feel like somehow it also like uh, made the production of the content worse in a way. Like I, I feel like Netflix shows are, are like I mean, except for like the higher tier of them are like structured where like. You know, a lot of money is front-loaded in the first episode with a cool action sequence. Then there's a lot of boring talking, which is, mm-hmm. like, subpar writing, uh, and a lot of bottle scenes. And then there's, like, another uh, big action or someone gets shot, and then to keep you into the next episode. And then it's just uh, back to being dull and kind of uh, mediocre. And I, I feel like a lot of them are, 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 like, almost built to, like, let you browse on Twitter on your phone or whatever your social media of choice is uh, while not paying attention. Uh, let's see. So, um, are we done with the the trilogy of failure? Uh, oh, okay. All right. we're, we're almost done. Uh, you, you're right. We're, we're going on to so many goddamn different tangents. Yes. And, uh, Picard Which, is an interesting disaster. From from, from, from the small, or really quick, from the small feedback that I do get from like friends that listen to our podcast, this is their favorite part where we just randomly shoot the shit about geek stuff. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Um, but like, uh, so do you have any final thoughts about Picard? I don't have much to add. Just that I think it's hilarious that they're like doing all the wrong choices mm. and uh, they can't like have a good Star Trek storyline. And it was funny, like the dumb like things that they p- pitch in um, 
uh, red letter media sound like better Picard storylines yes. <laughs> of like, you know, they're, they're kind of playful, but they're fun. And like, you know, remembering why we like these characters and then they have a laugh. Um, uh, yeah, they, they, cause they genuinely give a shit. And, but like, yeah, Picard's a special kind of derp, um, that I enjoy. Uh, cause like, yeah, there's, oh, so like, um, a thing that I noticed with Picard and like some other stuff was that, um, the worse something is, the more there is to talk about. Yeah, that, that is true. Yeah, and then like all of a sudden, like the worst thing is you you start noticing why you love a thing, which can be fun, and you you explore more of why you love something versus just enjoying something. Because like yeah, we did, we do we went through like the um, the Star Trek movies. Uh, each time like the movie was not that good, we had so much fun and had a long conversation. Every time a movie like freaking nailed everything, our podcast would last like forty minutes, and we were just like, yeah, yeah, that was good too. Yeah, that was good too. So Picard <laughs> is fun because it yeah, it's minute to minute of like horrible writing that reminds you that no good writing does exist and this is not it. And it like the absence of it really just keeps slamming home why you love something. So it's kind of fun to hate watch it. Yeah. Versus like at least there's a shit ton of uh, Picard. You can't say that you, you haven't gotten a lot a lot of uh deep, you know, uh, of um the next generation to appreciate. Yeah. Um you have any other thoughts about uh uh the like your your entire feelings about the entire trilogy of failure that's been going on lately. <laughs> so, uh, are we ready for the yeah. final thing of my trilogy of failure? What? That is the Halo show. Oh boy. I'm embracing I- myself for this. I despise the Halo show. I what, know it's what, the silver slime. What, what were you saying? Oh well, yeah. I, I think you're about to get to it. Like, how does wh- I, I'm not because like I, I after living through Star Wars, it's really hard to phase me. Like I saw Hobo Luke Skywalker get shit on and not be able to do anything, and nothing makes sense whatsoever. So now that I'm seeing this, I'm not seeing them shit on anything. Like it's just like a a, a network television remix well, well for, so why despise as someone who likes um star wars or um what you call it uh god damn it, and i'm a halo fan yeah uh, oh so you uh, yeah i was gonna ask are you a halo fan you uh you, yes. so you play the games so someone who All like pretends to be a microsoft supporter uh so, so i was kind of curious <laughs> about your familiarity with the halo series um the halo series i love it uh but mainly for the stories that seem to emerge between me and my friends of like trying to save each other and trying to make ourselves a ways to the battle versus the lore, which I just watch on YouTube, which I also enjoy. So, but it sounds I, like you played yeah. through most of the campaigns, though, right? All of them, yeah. Mm, like right. it's like an event every time it comes out, and if there's co-op, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, the, that, this is the first three, time they didn't do that. Three, four, no, it's Halo Five didn't have co-op either. Technically, it didn't release at first. Um, well, they had co- they didn't have split screen co op. I should clarify, okay. which to me is like the only the best way to Halo co op should be played. Yeah, there was that's how co-op. we started, but like uh, yeah, online co op. Me and my friends set aside dates to go through every campaign, and yeah, I I've, I'm a long time fan, so uh, okay, I am so okay. This, so this yeah, is, hmm? this is going to be an interesting discussion. This is going to be a really interesting discussion because um. Cause, um 
I, I, yeah, I'm a long time Halo fan. I have a lot of affection for the universe. I think three four three is kind of fucked it up, but you know, I still like the universe enough that I'll play just about any major Halo game. It's always mm-hmm. an event because they don't span them out as much as Call of Duties. And I think the special thing that Bungie. Um, was able to infuse in those campaigns was a great sense of melancholy and sadness. Yes, um, the ma- you know that's what made the Master Chief stand uh, uh, up from other uh, UNSC or you know other Space Marines. Is that sure the Master Chief is indestructible? Sure, he's got a hot girlfriend waifu in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, but no matter how much you win. You always lose the greater fight. And I think the mm-hmm. best example is on Halo, the original Halo. It's like, all right, we're, we're, we're up against the wall. Our ship crash landed. But thanks to the bravery of Captain Keys, uh, we're, we're going to do what we can. We're going to get this, find the secrets of this Halo. We're going to uh, keep it out of the hands of the Covenant so they don't uh, annihilate all humanity. But little by little, you lose Keys. You lose the faux hammer, the Aretha Franklin sounding dropship who's like carrying you around on all your missions. Every, all the humans you were fighting along side get infected by the flood the master Mm -hmm. chief saves the universe he destroys the halo stopping the annihilation of all of life in the galaxy uh he stops the flood from the infection he saves it from there um but at the end of the day he you know the covenant's still out there human earth is still threatened so humanity he may have won the day but he didn't win the war uh, okay. Halo 2 also has that great sense of melancholy and despair that like you're fighting to save Earth but you're not winning the battles and then Halo 3 Master Chief makes the ultimate sacrifice he saves the universe he, uh, I love that scene, that moment in Halo 3 where you team up with elites I got that mm-hmm. feeling of like childhood joy of like when Cobra and um, G.I. Joe teamed up to fight the drug dealers yes <laughs> that was dope <laughs> The guys, uh, ooh, the leads, my nemesis is, they're joining forces. <laughs> it's hard to, like, get that, like, giddy sense of childhood mm-hmm. nostalgia. That like, we're going to team up against the bad guys to the other bad guy. Yay! I love it. <laughs> I'm so happy. And are you saying that you wanted to get that feeling from a TV show? No, I, I just wanted a fucking competent uh, military sci-fi shooter to be made. Because, like, mm-hmm. every choice they've made is fucking terrible. Such uh, as. The, the, the Covenant does not feel like this omnipresent, unstoppable threat of technology. They just feel like something that the UNSC is um, handling uh, in the background. Uh, and this is like one of the things I despise. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily lore inaccurate, but like the depiction of the UNSC is this evil, fascist, uh, horrible organization. Uh, like the idea about the UNSC and the military is, is that like there are unsavory elements, but overall they're fighting they're you know they're they're trying to do the best they can they're they're basically forced with terrible choices so always with sophie choices like um do you let this glass planet get glass so you can save three others do you blow up your ship so the covenant don't learn the uh, the location of earth this is like a desperate horrible uh fight where humanity is technologically uh outmatched outgunned they don't stand a chance they can't negotiate with these aliens that are on this weird religious crusade it's a great way to have your like you know islamic uh fantasy without offending anyone which is i always thought was genius to like have this like 9-11 allegory without actually being like racist or islamophobic uh Mm -hmm. you get to have all that call of duty fantasy but the, 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 the 
it doesn't even set it up that it, it like opens up where it's like, oh, there here's this insurgent town, and they're the real good guys, and the UNSC are the fascists, and the mm. Spartans are the tool of the fascists, and like in the lore, the the, the Spartans weren't originally like built to be. Um, the destroyers of the covenant, they were built to stop insurrectionists and the insurrectionists were like nuclear bombing uh, space colonies and killing millions of people. Uh, These were not the good guys, but you can kind of tell that the political lines is like, yeah, uh, these are the rebels. rebels. These are the underdog rebels. And it's like, it's just so stupid. It's like, yeah, fuck the UNSC. Even when the little Mandalorian girl who feels like she's supposed to be the baby Yoda um, (laughs) sees her, her father get bisected by an alien and she's still like, fuck the UNSC. I, I hate the fact that they gave a storyline where it's like, oh, Master Chief, you have to kill her but for reasons that we're not going to tell you because the mm-hmm. UNSC is kind of evil. And, and, like, the, the appeal of Halo is a band of brothers um, – a band of brothers fantasy. The idea that you're in the foxhole with your your buddy, um, you're you're building these stories. You're 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 gonna make the noble sacrifice. You're you're you're, uh, and that's what the games captured. And the idea that like uh, you know the Spartans are evil. Like even in the books, they they gave the sense that the Spartans like they made a very special distinction. I need to double check, but I'm a hundred percent sure they did some shady shit. They did do the the flash cloning and kidnapping them as kids. Uh, but like when they brought them in, they basically said you were specifically selected to basically be a superhero. They basically like framed it as like, uh, well, you want, Hey bitch, you want to come to Hogwarts? Huh? And, and, um, and all, all the kids like, you know, said, hell yeah, I want to be fucking the, the Hogwarts and the savior of humanity versus like the more conflicted. Oh, we are emotionless soldiers of war. Uh, Master Chief has to get his emotion pill out so he can connect with his humanity as okay. he, he, he goes and sees music. I got to I got to ask. OK, so do you think that there's a way with the budget and time constraints and the audience they're playing for? That they could do a good Halo. Yes. Yes. Oh, and okay. um, I, I mean, I, on, on one sense, you're kind of right. Like, they do have constraints. But I, I'll just say Battlestar Galactica, the Battlestar Galactica remake, is mm-hmm. the exact tone it Halo needed. That's what they're trying to go for. But, like, also, like, they, they how, many not, episodes, they, how many episodes they, this they season? Are not, they are not succeeding. They, they are not how many, succeeding. <laughs> how many episodes this season? Uh, I think there's nine episodes this season. Okay. So, like... What I think what we're like, this is what I gear shift down to. Like, I, I fully get what you're saying. And I would love to have that good of a Halo show. But what I'm seeing is like, um, they're doing this for a network audience. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing mostly female. And they want to make sure they're getting as many people as possible. So we have to have like, not just our, our main character of, uh, What's this? Uh, Master Chief. We do need uh, young girl characters so that the young female off- audience can get into it. Then they have to. They're, they're, they're trying to hit every demographic they can, and um, they have nine episodes to do it. And therefore, you have to hit certain lulls and heights and character interaction that don't just appeal to sci-fi Halo fans. And they therefore, like, if we're gear shifting into that, and we only have nine episodes, this is why I can understand. Uh, rushing and 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 pushing stuff like like evil UNSC, which for me I am actually kind of reading it as them being uh, that thing that you have to become if you're going to deal with a, a really 
hard problem, which is I, I'm not seeing that. I'm not mm-hmm. seeing people making like hard choices. I'm just seeing they're the evil, bad uh, mm-hmm. government fascists who stole kids and turned them to super soldiers, and they're bad. And the ones we should really like are the outliers and the pirates and the 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 the, the, the swag True, Spartan uh, swag Spartan Soren. Uh, here, uh, here's another funny story. My my brother came because um he came for like the Jewish holiday of Passover, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, we we, we got to watch this. We got to watch this. I, I've seen clips. This is supposed to be terrible. Uh, <laughs> so we sat down to watch the Halo series. We have a lot of affection for playing. The uh, campaign solo together, and, and there were multiple times where we just paused it because we spent five minutes <laughs> deep guttural laughing like hyenas. Awesome. We were laughing so hard, and one of the big scenes was like we were laughing when they go on the the Star Wars space pirate meteorite. <laughs> oh. And, and, we were laughing yes. really fucking hard. Like, this is not Halo. Because it was just so, like, pulpy, and it wasn't, like, kind of grounded military sci-fi, and it was just kind of ludicrous. And and then when we really started laughing was when, like, you know, the swag Spartan comes in. He's still wearing his fucking armor. And yes. he takes them to their little fucking moon pimp pad where it's like, hey, I've got a kid. <laughs> and then the, the wife comes out, and she looks like she walked from the set of the Hunger Games, and then they yes. sit around and smoke space weed. <laughs> I, I am, I am, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm okay with it because to like, like it's just this is what they're doing. This is so like I would be more upset if like this took place in between games or was a continuation of the games. If you're like, yeah, if if they're doing G, if they think they're doing G tier, uh, George Lucas tier. <laughs> Then, then I, I would be with you guys. Like, no, what the shit's going on here? But like now, it's the silver I, I, I timeline was the, like the smartest thing they could have done. And my guess is what I think they're doing is they're basically doing before Fall of Reach. And the idea is that in this MacGuffin hunt, and uh, my guess is at the end of the season they're gonna like sp- slip space warp to Halo, and then the next season is gonna take place on Halo. Hmm. That that's what I feel like they're, they're doing, uh, and then uh, you know, do we this know whole for thing sure is, it's getting a second season? Yeah, yeah. They, 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 it's like one of those things where it was so fucking expensive that it was already mm-hmm. greenlit before it premiered that there was a second season. I don't think it deserves one. Um, and uh, like, okay, okay, I, I can justify this. You know, as a, the writer person, like I, I agree to like, oh, some things you have to change. You can't be quite like the, the lore nerd, but like, right. does this. Are any normies like liking this? Like the oh, acting is, good is not good. I, I'm not seeing anyone who's right. like, oh, you know. I always have this fantasy of like the middle American viewer, the guy who's got like, um, you know, maybe a 50k job, um, mortgage on a house. He goes in there with a beer. He's got his little kids. He's not the most sophisticated consumer, not the nerdiest uh, guy, but you know, he likes his little fantasy television and, and he, it, he pops open a beer. Is that guy who, who's maybe like, you know, doesn't give a shit about video games is like halo getting, is he like, that sounds like exactly guy. who this would be awesome to <laughs> this I, person I, who, who is not familiar with it, but they sit down with their beer and Oh my shit. Who's this fucking guy? Wow. He's awesome. Like, I, I, ca- I cannot imagine any guy, any person who doesn't like the games. Like, like it's just like, mm. it's got that cowboy. Like, uh, all right. So here's the painful thing. Uh, did you see the most recent episode? Episode five? Uh, no, I'm on episode three. 
Episode five actually has the best action sequence thus far in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really good. It, it's kind of gritty. It's got that like heightened tone, but like the action sequence in episode one just felt clunky. It just felt like the cowboy bebop. It was missing that extra oomph to like make me think that these were like super soldiers and not mm-hmm. guys in cosplayers. It, it just felt oh. like okay. So, so as I say, like the, the cowboy bebop uh, comparison. Because I I, I I couldn't get past the first episode. It was really- <laughs> you you were you were like you were like a really really I thought you were a big defender <laughs> of, of Cowboy Bebop the live action. Yeah, you're. <laughs> no, I, I I I I went into it holding my nose because I was like I can tell this is not, and then like I I couldn't get past the first episode. So like there, okay. So so like so like the, the my main thing is like. How much can I tell that they cared or didn't care? And Cowboy Bebop, I saw. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like with Star Trek, where I, the people who are doing the set dressing, costumes, and all the effects, not I, I can see they care, but um, the people writing it and writing Picard, it's more about themselves than it's about trying to do a story. So I feel like they're not caring. Versus Halo. Where I feel that, like, every shot, I feel like they are trying. Like, within their constraints, I see them not dismissing Halo fans, but they're trying to appeal well, to you. Well, did you ever hear that the, the famous quote from the showrunners? That, uh, oh, yes. we didn't even... <laughs> so, so, I, I hear it was out of context. I hear it was out of context. <laughs> where, like, because that was, that was a juicy, juicy quote, almost, to the point where I was almost like, really? Okay. But, like, apparently, the, the what the person was like... We we didn't play the games, but like yes, we all were all in on the lore, and and they did their homework. They, just, they definitely know. there's like a lot of like callouts that just used in the worst way possible. And I think that what makes it really frustrating is that like um they got this like the best the smartest thing would have been to not have the Master Chief be like the main focus or the main character, like or like play it like the Mandalorian and never have him take his helmet and have yes. Steve Downs do the voice. I think that I was would say. Go, Having him not be the main character, there will be blood in the streets, and I would join them. Like, that's going <laughs> too far. That is very freaking pumpkin Luke Skywalker type action. But I, th- I think you could have it like, uh, or like, uh, just um, have like characters who are around him still have him be like a big focus, but like it's more about the technicians who are supporting him or the people who are fighting alongside him. But I, I also like think having him take off his goddamn helmet, and I also think mm. the guy they got to play him is <laughs> not a great actor. And the Mandalorian showed you can have a guy keep his helmet yes. on for ninety percent of the time, and people can, can still connect with it. Like the fact yes. that you took the, like the, the the kind of like quasi woke message that like yeah let's have the punk rebel girl team up with the master chief and they, they were too lazy to even like follow up with that now she's stuck in her own side plot i was just about to say that the version of uh of what this this type of team can do of like having there be another character and like the master chief not be the main character would be Quan as the main character and Master Chief as her bodyguard, and uh, no one wants to see that. No one wants to see that, and it, it, it feels like there's several different... It, it was also funny when they introduced Dr. Halsey, and me and my brother laughed. And she said, Did they yassify Halsey? Yassify? It's like a yes term... Yassify? No, like, you know, yes! Like, yes, queen? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find an example. 
I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, and I'll okay, yeah. I might not, I might not be conf- uh, familiar with it because I don't think she's a yes queen as much as she's a girl uh, girl boss. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, for uh, Halsey? Well, j- just how yeah. she looked. Uh, here, I- I'm going to send you an, uh, to give you an idea uh, of like what it looks like. <laughs> the yes of my filter. Because <laughs> like, yeah, like I'm I, I'm actually scared of every episode I watch of uh, Halo to. Like I, I'm expecting them to like stab me, do a last Jedi stab in the eye eventually. I, I'm amazed that you were, but like you have a higher tolerance, and I guess there's a campy yeah. quality. But I, I, I hate everything I see. I guess you didn't get I, to episode. I won't four. say I love it. It's it's far from love. <laughs> I'm far from lo- in love. Like what I'm seeing on the screen seems like what I'm seeing is like, hey guys, we're trying really hard for you fans, and then they're like always coming up way short because it's like. What they, oh, what they got going on. And, and one of my, like, the things that, like, really makes my blood boil. Yeah, what do you think of the Blessed One? Um, I don't think, oh, is that the woman girl who's... The woman, the, the girl Covenant. Uh, <laughs> that is, um, that is leaning into, like, what feels, uh, pop wokish. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 also for her, um, hey, Keith. Like uh, you're okay with it when you, I, I I gave they did in Battlestar Galactica exactly, yeah. And yeah. like, there's a reason for it, and I understand it. Therefore, like I'm always fifty fifty rubbing my chin when I see her on the screen. I'm like, uh, okay, I know why you're doing this, <coughs> and like, what else are they going to do? Like, if you're going to have a bad guy and you want to give them screen time and you don't want to. You know, break the bank every single time you do it. I think you could have found a creative solution, and the fact that they had the profits and the profits actually look pretty good, and the profits mm-hmm. are my favorite yeah. fucking villain in Halo. Um, mm. It's just lame. She's like not a good actress. It's just so stupid. It, it like gets rid of all of the appeal of the Covenant that there's just a human who's allowed to pal yes. around with them. Um, yes. She's not a compelling character. Pal and, around and with the, them and even, like, scold them. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. I hate okay. that. The, the cool thing about the Covenant um, that, like, makes them work is that they, they just want to kill humanity. They don't care. They have no mercy. They're bigger than us. Uh, they're more technologically advanced. They are in this crusade that we will not understand. They will not tell us. We cannot negotiate with them. That <coughs> is terrifying. The fact that they have these ridiculous ships that can, like, plow through any of the uh, UNSC stuff. The fact that, like, on average, uh, you know, in any naval conflict, it's like a uh, it takes five ships to take down one of UNSC ships to take down one Covenant. The fact that they're this multi they didn't even explain that! They didn't even explain the the fact that the Covenant is like this multiracial mm. uh, group of aliens conglomerates who are under this religious thing. Like, you, you, you couldn't even give that in a piece of exposition? You, you just have this, this fucking, you know, Daenerys Targaryen ripoff? Oh, yep. They definitely went for that. They does very much. She's very much a dead heiress. And like, you, you, like, oh my god, you could like the prophet of like uh, mercy, or I forget. I think it's the prophet of truth. I, like, I loved his voice in Halo Two. He had like the perfect insidious evil pope voice, and, and everyone loves to rally. You know, punch religion. What better way to punch religion than have evil space popes who ride around in little hover chairs and have them be like these insidious? Mm, yes, we will have the halos. Ooh. But and you can have like there's drama from the books uh, about their society uh, that's super interesting. Are, are, are we are we going to be able to 
So, but we, nine episodes, nine episodes and for a mass audience, I, I just don't think. I, I think you could have the Space Popes as the fun villains. I, I think you have, could have the Arbiter. And, uh, oh, yeah, here, here's another thing that also pisses mm-hmm. me off. What do you think mm-hmm. about uh, the race change of, Matt, of uh, Captain Keys? Um, he's still black. No, no, Captain Keys is a white guy. You, you, uh, oh. uh, I, I, I'm going to give you a uh, – so Captain Keys is in the first Who's Halo. Who's the guy I'm thinking of? The Apone <laughs> character. I thought he was, I thought he was yes. Apo, the Apone no, he, character. he's not. He's not. He's not Sergeant Johnson. Oh, yeah. That's exactly. Oh, 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 okay. Huh. There's no Sergeant Johnson. Oh, huh. You, you want a more diverse cast. You want to give a nice, beat, meaty black guy. Um, j- j- there's one who's right there for the picking that everyone loves. <laughs> yeah. So. You, you could have had him. Everyone loves Captain, uh, whatchamacallit, Sergeant Johnson. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, he got me there. Because I was like, no, no, man, what's wrong with that? It's, it's, it's Sergeant Johnson, who I thought was uh, Captain Keys. <laughs> and now I'm looking at Captain Keys like, uh, uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Are they going to kill him more? Like, is Captain Keys the greatest <clears throat> character in fiction? No. But, like, uh, what, what made Captain Keys work is that he, he was, like, the noble commander who was scrappy and would always try and figure a way out of a bad situation. That, that mm-hmm. was like, he was like the, the, the guy you wanted on your team, the, the, the responsible military guy who was always like saddled with something, but he'd always like come up with something and not the smartest guy, just the scrappiest. That, that was kind of the appeal. But, yeah. I, okay. I'm not fully, I've not made a full uh, call on race <laughs> swapping yet. So like, there's like, there's two ways on. Uh, I think about it where <clears throat> I do hate uh, quota feeling, and then like how SJWs go, yeah, this will make the uh, other people we don't like mad. And I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> please don't do that just to make other people mad, and please don't do it because you're trying to fill up a number. But like, then there's the other part of me where it's you know how I fought my entire life, which is you know not SJW. It's more of like if it doesn't change anything, then I don't care. So, like, Captain Keys being black dude doesn't change anything. You're right. It, it is, like, a superficial change. And I, yeah. I will admit that there is, like, a part of me that, like, um, is a little bit anal. But maybe I'm just angry that, like, um, you know, you want a great black role. Give, it, give, give, give the character that everyone loves. Oh, man. Like, oof. I'm I'm with you on there, but like it, it's it's I'm I've been getting to an apathetic point where after uh, what they did to John Boyega and like how much like like SJW friends don't seem to notice or care, like I'm almost giving up. Like like it's like it's not like they ever try ever. So um, yeah. I, I assume you you enjoy the swagger of of Soren though. <laughs> a little bit. It's, it, it's just it's more of those things. Is for him, it's more of like uh, again, man. They <laughs> no offense to Bokeem Mubin because he's like an immortal uh, character uh, character actor. A lot of people, like people love him. He's he's been around for years. So, uh, but yeah, it'd be cool if like you know they could cast someone who's you know pretty good looking that you know normal people like everybody thinks is good looking versus like. <clears throat> like you know, like I'm pretty sure white people think the guy who plays Master Chief is a good-looking guy. 
the white woman uh, Spartan. She's she's pretty beefy, but she's pretty good looking. But then you get to the black characters. They keep on like these 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 grizzly just men and. <laughs> You're like, can, I, can you please try? You, you, want some, you, you, want, you want some Michael B. Jordans in there. There we go. Please. Ever. Mix it up some. But yeah, I am so sorry that... Uh, oh. No, no, keep going. It was, it was just, uh, yeah, I'm sorry that you're, the thing you love is getting freaking stamped out. Like, like <laughs> I, I, I had low expectations. I, I guess I was kind of like at a low bar and I was hoping they'd at least cross it and I'd be like, yeah, like they, they, they just, just all the choices are just bad and terrible. I'm curious to see what you'll think if you'll fall on my side because you're, you're being very forgiving. I, I can accept that you don't have a billion dollars and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you can't have big action sequences, but you could be, well, it's like, I don't know, the, you ever hear the classic manga series Berserk? Yes. You know, it got <clears throat> Berserk will never have like a full hundred percent good adaptation, but mm-hmm. like you know, the nineteen ninety seven was like considered to be the highest regard. And there's a lot of no animation scenes, and the reason why it's held in such high esteem is it works within <clears throat> its limitations. Okay. Oh, we can't have a lot of motion, then we'll at least have these gorgeous matte paintings that will. Um, okay. Uh, zoom across or we'll have really great music it's a great example of how you can elevate limitations and work around them um (laughs) so yeah this is the thing that uh, i think you're pointing out like someone i'm thinking about where if you're looking if approaching how like uh japan does it so like it seems like yeah they, they when they do an anime they're not doing their own remix of the manga that you know taps well, everything it's, they it's want funny to do. You they, should they, mention they, that, they do a good um, job because, creating um, the manga uh, <clears throat> and halo's not doing that and a well, lot of stuff's not doing that in the like, late 90s and early 2000s there were a lot of anime you know big mangas that got adapted and they got anime only endings like roni kenshin and full metal alchemist but mm-hmm. that that trend is pretty much dead now um where, uh, you know, I, I don't know if, like, the producers understood that, like, people like it for the manga material. Uh, that's what they're coming for. So let, <coughs> let's not make a shitty filler uh, anime original ending. Let, let, let's keep to the canon. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate that. And, you're like, uh, you know, I could be fine, like, uh, not following the Halo, the Silver storyline. But, like, I still want it to feel like Halo. I don't want it to feel like a, a mm, mediocre, terrible show with horrible acting and bad, stupid choices. Like, the, the, <clears throat> the Spartan who takes out her, her uh, memory chip and then, or emotion chip, and then she um, <laughs> fucking dyes her hair. Yes, uh, that made me. I started. My eyes started shifting while I was watching. I was like, uh, "I mean, I, I knew. I know there's certain people this will very much appeal to." Does it? Are there um, like Twitter stands? Oh yeah, SAW fans. Oh my gosh, she's doing the hair thing. I've not like, seen anyone. If you have evidence, you're right. I haven't seen anyone. I. You're right. Like the, the friends who, the friends who normally like uh, who do just clap at all SJW things. You're right. I definitely have not seen them say anything about Halo <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> not even like a, a passing comment. So, because like they're uh, trying. Here's and- like, here's I think what makes me really angry. Um, <clears throat> let, I haven't seen it yet. I, I want to see. It. There are a lot of movies I really want to see. Uh, I, I need to like go to a movie theater and just sit there for like six hours. Mm-hmm. But Sonic, the Sonic movie series. Hmm. Uh, uh, is the first Sonic a great movie? No, 
but they listened to the fans. They got a better accurate um, mm-hmm. uh, represent. You know, they got a better c- character design. It saved the movie. The second movie comes down. It's still got like a bunch of the lame, you know, <clears throat> real human people uh, stuff. But it also has so much Sonic fan service. Like you got Tails, you got Sonic on the Tails biplane, you've got Knuckles, you got Sonic Tails and Knuckles hanging out. Uh, you've got uh, you know Jim uh, Carrey Robotnik where he uh, builds a giant egg death destroyer and there's Super Sonic. It's like all these elements that like it seems like it was a big I- turning point. That like, um, hey, th- these people like these things, so let let's use them and build set pieces uh, from these things that people are familiar with and like. And, and it seems like it's working. And then it's not just that. There's the Cuphead TV show, which is supposed to be really good. There's Arcane, mm-hmm. which I've seen half of it and is surprisingly far better than it has any rights to be. Castlevania. You're, 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 it sounds like you're saying. It sounds like you're saying that. Because uh, what I'm what I'm saying is like, hey, shit happens when you adapt. But you're saying no. Where there's there are a lot of examples that you can you can adapt faithfully and still succeed. Yeah, yeah. There, there are things faithfully. You're just make and even good. that might be the better choice they should be doing. Because I've been like, uh, like, um, <clears throat> let's see. I've been like doing lots of He-Man stuff lately, and like one of the, the things that killed He-Man was that they were trying to go for more girls mm-hmm. and. Therefore, like, so, like, He-Man was doing great with what it was doing, and, like, while they were marketing it to boys, they were never, um, at the start of it going, but how can I make this appeal more to specifically boys? Versus, like, the creation process I saw was, like, a lot of old head dude guys who loved John Carter and Conan, and they get to freestyle and create something. And then, like, just creating something... It drew boys and girls because they're just trying to make it. But then they started to try and make it for girls. They, they instead of just creating He-Man that everybody loves, they created a product that can appeal to another demographic, which starts taking away from what people love in the first place. And then, like, um, they stopped making He-Man episodes all together and just did She-Ra episodes, and that killed it. So <clears throat> instead of like. Um, Taking Halo and saying, well, okay, we'll have Halo, but we need to also appeal to the female demographic. Therefore, we're going to shove this in. And then also the parental demographic, who might be also, we're going to shove this in here. And then they start changing it into something else well, versus he, the thing that was successful in the first place. Well, here, here's a question, though. Um, <clears throat> when, when do you say Halo's woke? Because it doesn't feel like something that's been mm. like carpet bombed entirely but there's still like things that feel like i don't know there's an interesting article about mm-hmm. how they talked about how like writers and showrunners who work for years are all terrified to go against the uh, new social message. you know the new message paradigm yeah. yes the critical drinker says the message yeah. the message the message and it feels like they're they're like it's not driving it but they're subtle things um that uh, but like from a service level, you don't feel like Halo is designed for the message. No, I don't. I do. It is not going like so. New Star Wars went hard on just the message and everything, and everything else just died away. And Halo's not doing it. I'm seeing them, um, making sure that there's visual cues that appeal to it, but it's not like trying to turn Halo into a message. That is that true, because, like, um, 
God, that that whole sort of magical, stupid subplot. I, I hate it so much because I mean that feels like that's kind of messagey. Like it, it feels like someone threw in their failed YA book adaptation. Oh, the chief more toward being very, very much a chosen one. Not really the chosen one, just that that girl who's like, I, I hate that whole insurrection. Yeah, fuck the military. Fuck the U.S. government. Fuck Joe Biden. That, that's the energy Quan gives off and the fact that she's oh. like going to go back to like her home planet. Uh, and then they have this whole terrible storyline where she's like, I, uh, they have that guy from Pacific Rim and he's like, he's the evil insurrectionist. So now the good, the good, the good rebels have to get rid of the bad rebel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, I've got to go get my parents generals. We're going to get it back. And then there's this great scene where she like meets her aunt in like a, a prayer ceremony or whatever for her dead dad. And then he says, um, uh, basically she, she uh, <laughs> Uh, there's no hope of a rebellion. It's over. Everyone's gone. And then she gets her, like, aunt killed because uh, the evil insurgents, uh, not the good insurgents, it it, it had the same energy of um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier with Carly Morgenthal, whatever Uh, her name was. That's what it reminded me of. Uh... Yeah, making it more about Quan sounds like they are doing that thing that I said they probably shouldn't do. Because, like, uh, just, it's just, a, right now it's an A-B storyline where you've got, like, the A storyline is the Master Chief and dealing with the Covenant and finding out. Oh, yeah, and then, then they have a scene where the fucking Master Chief, like, I hate that the Forerunner artifacts and he's the special one for some reason. And he's, like, getting visions and it gives him flashbacks from his childhood. And then they have, it, like, 20 minutes where they go back to the fucking Master Chief's home and they're, like, digging up the fucking shit in his backyard to find the, the Covenant Master Magical artifact, and he reminds me how his dog died. <laughs> that is actually the exact scene that I've stopped on, and I've not gotten to. <laughs> I, I, did, I did not figure out. I've not gotten to the part where it's all about him finding out his dog died. What the? Uh, There's a scene there where he's like remembers burying his dog. And he's like, oh, maybe the artifact's there. Uh, uh. <laughs> you're either close to it or so, you're about to get to it. So yeah, I'm I'm not in love with it. I I'm never really excited about watching the next episode. All I know is like when I watch it, I'm like, okay, I'm not seeing like a, a, basically a, a Three Stooges act of Halo, which is like the, the, the I don't see like um, <clears throat> Halo Res uh, not Halo Matrix Resurrection. That was watching a Three Stooges act of what what someone thinks uh, Matrix is. I'm not seeing that. Although I'm seeing annoying things. It's just not. It's just not like a fucking travesty. Uh, I mean, it's got enough surface <clears throat> to level things to feel like Halo, but like uh, I would have liked a more gritty band of brothers storyline. I would have like kept the Spartans maybe a little bit more aloof. I would have focused on an ODST squad, um, so you can have that sort of grounded uh, action uh, set pieces. Uh, you know, I would have had the Master Chief be a mythical figure who uh, everyone is, like, kind of, like, uh, held up in high esteem. I would have set up the Covenant as, like, a very prominent threat, a very, like, life-ending threat. Like, oh, just open open up the, the series with the Covenant glassing a planet. That That's how you open it. Yeah, let's see some Invincible shit there. Um, some nice people hanging out on a nice futuristic city, uh, talking about space shit. 
Uh, like that scene from Invincible where Omni, before Omni Man and Invincible crash into the, the mm. fucking building, and uh, then you introduce the Covenant, you introduce the, uh, the, that idea, and then you show off the spark, the, the, the people who are trying to fight it and uh, trying to learn about the Covenant. The, 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 that's always fascinating to have this alien threat and then have the audience learn about the Covenant uh, as uh, the characters are, as, as humans are making first contact with this threat that is. Uh, Versus here, where it just seems like, oh, there's that war. Oh, those Covenant. We better figure out a way to win this war. And, like, the, the, the fact that, the, like, the Separatists are like, wow, we, we, don't, we don't like you. Um, it's like the equivalent of, like, um, you know, aliens come. And it's like, screw mm-hmm. you, Donald Trump. We don't want to work with you Republican fascists. <laughs> they're, they're fucking aliens. Yeah. Uh, you saw aliens kill your dad. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how much further we can go on this one. Uh, yeah, like I, 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 there's no way I can, I'm, I'm not even trying to say that it's great. It, uh, uh, yeah, I'm not even saying it's, it's great. It's just like, I, I'm only watching it so I can comment on it actually. Cause uh, I'm like, amazed yeah, that you're, you're, you're enjoying it. Cause like, what was your favorite Halo campaign? Uh, ODST. Oh, interesting choice. Um, yeah, um, I love very much how much it felt like this was my character versus <clears throat> doing the um, big uh, Master Chief, like, save the universe mm. uh, character. It just like it just felt like more my story, and I love um, Nathan Fillion, so it was like, I get to be a space soldier next to Nathan Fillion. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I got, like, a couple figures of the rookie. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Um, for me, it's like a combination between Halo 2 and Halo uh, Reach. I like Reach a lot because it's a really varied campaign with a lot of variety. Um, mm-hmm. Just because Halo 3 uh, or Halo uh, Reach. And I also love the sense of melancholy. It's like the best of like example of the um, Bungie mythos. The fact that Where you got, you oh, in the end? Exactly. You lose in the end. Every little bit, uh, you lose a team member. One gets shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think it did a great job of representing the different uh, Spartan dynamics because there's there's like the Spartan 2s and there's Jorge, the guy with the minigun. Uh, he, he's like um, a Spartan 2, so he's like very affectionate to, towards Catherine Halsey. He's like, mum. And mm-hmm. he's kind of a little bit more brutish versus the Spartan 3s who are just basically like kids who are picked up in the streets and jacked up with chemicals and put in suits that aren't quite as good as the Spartan uh, 2s, but it, it doesn't take as long to make them. Um, you know, I like that like little attention to the lore. I like the losing overall. I love that sense of melancholy. I love the fact that it roped in to like the beginning of Halo. So the the, the series of ga- of the four games makes a perfect circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but Halo 2, I just have a lot of affection because I think it expanded the lore. It took a big chance with like giving you the, the Covenant side, which I thought was super cool. I love playing guns. this Arbiter. Yeah, and, and two guns. Everyone loves the two guns and the vehicle jacking. Um, so I, I just have a lot of affection for Halo 2. Uh, and of course it had the, my favorite multiplayer of the series. All right. Um, but it's just like, ah, I would like it to be good. Like, all uh, in college, I fantasized about, like, what a Halo TV series we would, like, you know, friends would nerd out. Oh, Neil Blancamp and these Warthogs. Oh, this is so cool. Uh, District 9. Oh, my God. This guy would be a... There you go. <laughs> so what, what I've been doing lately is, like, every time I run into something that disappoints me like that, I go and find a different property that can do it right. 
So, like, um, yeah, like, if I, if I want good Star Wars, I go and watch Guardians of the Galaxy and the Marvel stuff. Um, if I want good He-Man, I've been watching the new Adventures of He-Man, which is surprisingly pretty good after decades of hating on it. And with Halo, I would suggest that if you haven't seen it yet, not watching this show, but watching um, uh, Roughnecks. <clears throat> Star oh, the Starship Trooper. Uh, yeah, I've seen pieces of it. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll watch that and I'll watch Battlestar Galactica and think of I my, was uh... religious on how much I loved uh, that show. Like, I watched the living shit out of it. And it does, I think, I'm pretty sure it does actually layer for layer everything you want in a Halo yeah, TV yeah, show, I, I think it does. I think it has that kind of grounded, gritty military. And uh, you yep. know, Ron Moore was very like, you know, this isn't Star Trek. They don't replicate dilithium crystals. You know, if uh, shit breaks on a ship, it's a big deal. Um, oh, and they I, even I, continually have the, but you lost the war. Yeah. Over and over again in surprising, huge, awesome ways. So... <clears throat> I yeah, I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm still gonna watch the end of Halo. Uh, this oh, is yeah. such a. This is such a fun disaster. I, I gotta <laughs> see the end of it. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, so like, yeah. Sometimes I like watching <clears throat> such thing back to back, so that I can see like, okay, you had millions of dollars, and these people had several thousand, and look how much better they're doing than you. And. <laughs> uh, uh, all I know is that um, you know <clears throat> I'm getting enjoyment from it, but it is not the enjoyment that the showrunners intended. Like Picard with me. <laughs> oh, 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 and the reason why I feel like they might be, uh, I keep on saying this, like, there's small hints as to maybe listening to the podcast I did, which is, like, every podcast I ended with Keep Looking Up, and every so often, the show's, like, shoehorn looking up as a catchphrase, and it just seems pretty close, and... What was the other thing? Oh, oh, yeah. and then there's also the part where um, one of the writers, one of the main writers of Star Trek Prodigy does listen to our podcast. So there's at least oh. somebody out there listening Ooh. to us. And I do wonder. Ooh. So, like, and also, like, I was talking about, like, how, it's how not is like that, uh, Star Trek Prodigy show. Uh, it, it, it looks really expensive and it, it seems yes. like. Um, uh, like the design is like so un- different than than anything else I've seen from uh, ever seen from. Um, it's pretty damn good. Uh, what, it's which, not which good Star from, uh... Trek specifically, but you're in for some great animation, great action, action sequences. It's a great cartoon, um, and it does have a, do a good job of holding on to the heart of Star Trek at all. Um, so it's actually pretty freaking good. Lower Decks is the best of them, though. That yeah, one that seems nails. like that's the pinnacle. Uh, yeah, Prodigy seems like it's got this like interesting middle ground where it's like. It's kind of like trying to do a Star Wars without Star Trek, but it's not trampling on Trek lore. It's right, sort of like, exactly. you know, <laughs> which makes not, it a lot more palatable than uh, something yes, like the Yes, it's very much not trampling on any lore. And it seems every time the lore appears, it's done with like love and respect so that you're like, okay, okay. Um, and, but, but it is funny you saw Star Wars because like uh, my buddy, his like sons watched it and like his like nine year old got mad and said, they're trying to be Star Wars. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm so glad that there are children that can still see <laughs> that tell. and talk like us. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty mad. He was like, nah, nah, this is trying to be Star Wars. And then his older his older boy was like, yes, they are, but no, this is pretty good. That's funny. 
Uh, mm. that even the little kid could, could kind of tell. Uh, yep. I, I, I'll probably sample it at some point. It, uh, um, it seems like it's an interesting space cartoon. Uh, it is. On its own it's terms. a very good space cartoon. Um, so, I guess, now that we've finished the trilogy of failures, I guess you want to go into the positive, the, the, the light side of what you've been geeking out and what you've been enjoying? Uh, let's, uh, let, let's wrap it up. Like, uh, we're almost at two hours. Oh, so. goddamn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, right. first you, uh, what have you been enjoying lately? Um, I have a few things. Uh, I saw this great movie. I'm sure you've heard about it. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I highly oh. recommend it. Um, yes. it's the kind of films that feel like we don't get anymore, like a really high concept thing that isn't based on a franchise from the Daniels about a woman played by Michelle Yeoh, um, who's like down on her luck. Uh, you I know, love her uh, so much. Ru- she, oh, you will love this movie. It is such a beautiful showcase for her and a love letter to her. Um, there, there's like this time in the 90s we were watching Heroic Trio, and that's like one of the earlier Hong Kong movies, and I just... I just fell in love with her, and like, but my friends saw my face, and they're like, "Oh my god, Keith, do you love her?" I'm like, "Oh, oh no!" no. I like, I try to wash it off her face. Like, no, 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 she's just really good martial artist. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you would have loved it. Went to the. Have you ever heard of the Alamo Draft House? No, yeah, I've heard of it. It's a great movie theater. I don't know if they have any in Wisconsin, but if, I highly recommend finding one. Um, so what they do is they have a pre-show tailored to each movie. So they had a brilliant pre-show for Taylor to everything, everywhere, all at once. And it was like a retrospective about her career, about her time with Jackie Chan, how she was a great stunt show. They also talked about the, you know, had clips from the Daniels and their like music videos that like directly influenced the thing. And then they also oh. did this thing about the googly eyes, about putting googly eyes in famous movie scenes. It was like uh, one of the best curated pre-shows they've ever done. It was a perfect way to experience that movie. Uh, nice. So ba- basically what happens is um, uh, her uh, husband, who's played also by the guy who played Short Round. Um, yes. Yeah, it's great. And he gives a great performance. Uh, he he <clears throat> explains to her that there's the multiverse. The multiverse of madness exists. And uh, she there's this great evil she needs to stop. And then she like figures out this weird method to transfer to other versions of her in other universes uh, and all these different realities to gain their skills and experience. Ooh. It does a lot. It's a emotionally complex. It's ambitious. It's hilarious. It's heartfelt. It's a beautiful family message. Probably the best. Uh, I'm going to say this the best multiverse movie you will see uh i so i really really enjoyed that i highly recommend i think anyone with a nerd sensibility should go seek it out it's a uh brilliant showcase uh other thing is um you know and you went to the theater to see this yeah yeah it's in theaters i'm sure it'll be on demand soon but i highly recommend um the other thing i've been geeking out on is um two mangas that i really love so um, my one of my favorite creators just dropped a one-shot, Tatsuki Fujimoto, the creator of Chainsaw Man, uh, dropped an absolutely genius god-tier one-shot called Goodbye, Airy. I cannot express how brilliant this comic is. Uh, he plays with panels beautifully. He is a master of slice of life. He is this wonderful magical realism while also his absurdist sense of humor. It has one of the best gags you will ever see in any manga and one of the greatest final panels you will ever see. It is his love of cinema poured into everything. Cool. It is like, uh, I cannot speak more. I, he's quickly risen to like one of my favorite creators. I want a little Tatsuki Fujimoto uh, shrine. Uh, I don't know if you see my videos where I talk about Chainsaw Man, uh, but that anime is going to come. It's going to destroy yet. the internet. What do you say? I don't think I've seen that one yet. And um, you I, do I, keep talking about... I'm curious. You have my curiosity. 
yeah, I've, <clears throat> I've done one video where I talk about um, this was like like back in uh, 2020. I did a video, Chainsaw Man is the millennial hero we everyone deserves and we need. It's a decent overview of the series. Then I talk about my three favorite chapters from the series. Uh, but this man, uh, you know, he did another one shot called Look Back, which was also brilliant. But um, I didn't think he could top it, but he, he did. It's uh, 200 pages. It's a huge magnum opus. Uh, deserves to win every award. Uh, I'm shocked. Uh, that he was able to uh, exceed himself, and I am so excited for whatever he starts publishing, Chainsaw Man Part 2, uh, which is supposed to come. Uh, but uh, you'll see it. I'm sure you've seen Chainsaw Man on the internet. Uh, it's it's kind of like infecting everywhere with like profile pictures and memes. But it's all like a simpering virus that's way ready to explode once the anime hits. Um, but, uh, oh god, Goodbye Airy was like an absolute masterstroke. And then there's this other manga I really like that's really impressive called... Um, uh, Shouen Shota. I don't know if I'm saying it right. It's basically about mm-hmm. this um, Japanese high schoolers who want to be like a, a comedian team who do this like very specific, you know, basically like Japanese stand-up comedy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's just a really expertly crafted series that like hits on all levels. It works as like a battle manga. It also explains the <laughs> fundamentals of comedy, uh, which is always fascinating to see. And it, it's as engaging as Death Note. Um, it's it's funny because the uh, artist is the guy who drew uh, Bakuman and Death Note, uh, but it's not the different writer. But uh, it, what's this it, called again? Uh, Shoen Shota. Okay. But it's relatively recent. There's only like maybe nine. Uh, let me see if I can find a perfect. Uh, <coughs> what do you use to read all your manga? It's funny you should mention that. I, I love the age of the um, the ma- the manga aggregators. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't as many anymore. They're, they're, they've all been killed by copyright. So nowadays, I, I go to uh, like the uh, the Viz Media uh, the website, and then if there's a series where I want to find a backlog, you can typically find it by typing in the name of the series, and then you get all the chapters. Nice. Uh, what device and app do you use? Uh, I just read it on the computer, the web browser. Okay. Um, let's see, comedian. I I, I want to get you a link so you can check it out. But it's a brilliant series. Uh, very really strong debut. Uh, I've been enjoying it uh a lot. Um, and then another thing I also enjoyed was the, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie. I've heard of this movie. Like, several of my friends are quite excited about it. Uh, <coughs> I, I had oh, a lot of fun. I saw it with my good buddy friend, uh, Greg. Uh, we also went to that little draft house, which had a fun pre-show where they showed, like, old yokai cartoons. So you want me to explain Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, Zero, uh, quickly? Yes, please. So Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, it's interesting because have you ever watched Jujutsu Kaisen yet? The man, the anime, not, not yet. I, I'd highly recommend it. I think you'd really enjoy it. Not on Chainsaw Man's level, but it's a really great adaptation. Uh, pure shonen bliss uh, with a little bit of a uh, fun, mean edge, which I always appreciate in my media. Um, mm-hmm. You'll have a great time. Highly recommended. Um, so <clears throat> Jujutsu Kaisen Zero is the movie adaptation, but here's the really what makes it really interesting. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of Demon Slayer and the Demon Slayer uh, movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why that movie did so well is it adapted a short arc um, from the seri- from the manga, so it was a canon movie. Uh, and so basically, because it was a canon movie, it became the most uh, successful movie ever to come from Japan. Oh my god. Yeah, you, you didn't know that? It made, like, oh, made more than Spirited Away. It's the highest grossing anime movie, Ooh. highest grossing movie of Japan. It's like a, No, I don't know this. Yeah, it was nearly $500 million. It was a huge hit. What? 
<laughs> world destroying uh. hit. So now it started this new thing in anime and manga where everyone's trying to like fight to get canon movies. You know, fuck um, making filler movie bullshit. These yeah. movies are canon. Uh, so Jujutsu Kaisen is the latest in that trend. When Jujutsu Kaisen was originally published, it was like a kind of a four chapter one shot serialization. But then it got revamped and had its main serialization. But that original story is still canon. Those characters are still canon. So it's kind of funny to read them both and see like what changed or what got rearranged because you can definitely see like um, the characters. Um, they're st- from Jujutsu Kaisen are still in the main series, but they're more mm-hmm. secondary supporting roles, and they got replaced with kind of like better 2.0 versions. Because originally it's like, you know, you got the main character got completely replaced, and originally the main character was, you, you could see why he, he wasn't like chosen to be the main protagonist versus the main guy, the pink haired guy who is in the main series. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's a prequel story that's still canon, um, but is also like a prototype of the original series. That has also been enhanced by stuff that's happened later in the manga. So they, they, they throw right. in they threw in extra stuff like um, some great fan service of like um, here are characters that didn't exist in the manga because they it was before it was serialized, but they all, but they existed in continuity in the universe. So we're gonna get to see them fight evil, cool. curse spirits, and shit. So there's a lot of fun, and it also has a great pacing where it just keeps on ramping up and getting more extreme, and the animation gets better as it rolls up. So it's a very fun experience for me who likes Jujutsu Kaisen uh, and uh, is also a purveyor of manga and loves seeing uh, things through different phases. Hell yeah. How long is it? How long has uh, this Jujutsu Kaisen been going on for? Uh, <laughs> manga's like hmm, maybe two, three years. Uh, oh. Anime is like started. It's relatively recent. I think in 2000 to 2001 was when the first season of the anime hit. And the second season will probably is supposed to hit in 2023. It hasn't been officially announced yet, but it, do you say the coming. first anime was in 2001? And uh, no, next 2020. In- okay, cool. Okay, so it started in 2020 and went into uh, 2021. Yeah, because I, I feel like I've uh, I feel like I've been seeing that name for longer, much longer. Well, Jujutsu Kaisen also sounds like Jujutsu, so maybe there's some other thing. But no, it's not. Mm. It's not an old series. It's a it's funny, and like Shonen Jump, the big three, I think now, are One Piece, Jujutsu Kaisen, and My Hero Academia. Nice. All right. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, c- c- carrying the legacy forward. Uh, people love it. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the one of the big three. All right. So, so what have you... Been... Hmm? Um, that's it for now. What have you been geeking out on? Um, my main thing has been the new adventures of He-Man. Are you familiar with it? Uh, yeah, well, I'm not super familiar. Is it an older series? Yes, uh, 1989. Um, is the universally reviled and panned, uh, He-Man series. Uh, so, <clears throat> what happened was, everybody, ooh, alright, we love He-Man. And then, like, uh, they just got a little too cocky, and they're like, yeah, fuck it, like, let's, let's save some money, let's stop making He-Man episodes, and let's just lean on She-Ra, and then... We got the boys and girls, and woo, we make money forever. Ha, 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 we won. And then all of a sudden, ratings started going down, sales tanked. Because, like, me, as a boy back then, I was like, where's He-Man? Why are you guys not doing this anymore? And, yeah, like, we moved on. <clears throat> so to get us back, uh, they're like, new adventures of He-Man. I'm like, oh, shit, cool, whoa, He-Man's back. And, like, you know, the intergalactic uh, adventure. I'm like, I'm down with that. But then, like, the first thing you see when you watch it is, like, I've been taken to the future, and you're like, wait, what? 
all of his friends and family are gone. <laughs> I don't get to see Eternia or anybody. Nope. Like, whoa, whoa wait, what the fuck? No, no, keep, we're doing space stuff now. All my friends and family are gone. I'm like, oh my god. And like the, the entire time you're watching, you're like, so man arms and his mom, like what's going on? And then like all these new characters are just running around and no one wanted it because it just ditched everything you loved. And now that like I'm older, time has passed and I'm like, I'm just relax. Now that I'm watching it, it is basically He-Man and Isekai. Um, they actually do some pretty good stories. They pay attention to how he does miss his real world. And he has to acclimate himself to intergalactic adventures where they do some really actually like this. They're not going to win any Oscars or awards or anything. It's still late 80s um, cartoon where the bad guys are pretty goofy and lots of jokes are not actually funny. <laughs> but um, it has like it, it, it. It's a nostalgic for me because back then there used to be like cartoons like that. We'd watch it, and then like every so often there'd be the, these animation spikes of quality uh, in action, and you go, mm. "Whoa!" And me and my buddies used to like focus on those and like get hype and stuff. And like New Adventures of He Man does that. It's very normal '80s animation. All of a sudden, anime spikes happen, and then. Um, the fights are better because He-Man's not crazy overpowered. Uh, he's almost uh, fighting equal to Skeletor, so you actually get to see fights play out. There's lots of starship action, lots of fighter starship. Um, oh, that's interesting. It's more space-based because, like, um, He-Man was always um, magical, <clears throat> barbarian, mm-hmm. land-based. Yeah, um, there's there's always sections of that where him and his buddies. It's a, lots of blaster fights too, um, but he usually makes use his sword. But yeah, there's always like hand to hand, and then there's always there's almost always like um, starship shootout action sequences. So mm. I've been having a great time just exploring like this <coughs> unexplored section of He-Man, and I love space soap opera, space uh, space operas. It's that. So I've been having a great time. <laughs> you, you, finally, you finally rediscovered it and had a good time. Yep, yep. Uh, it, it, like like I said, like I hated. Uh, He-Man Revelation, so therefore I go to New Adventures of He-Man, which is giving me what I want out of a He-Man show. So I've been having a lot of fun with that, and then uh, looking at the vintage toys and saying, oh, I guess I won't be able to get, in, get, in, get into that, like um, maybe <clears throat> 15 years ago or more, or about 10, 15 years ago, you could usually go to eBay and get each one of their toys that no one wanted because everybody hated it. You get like 20 bucks, 10 bucks. And now all of them are in the hundred dollar range. Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, so, it's amazing how like stuff is appreciated. And, like all these games, I got rid of. I should have kept on because they have so much value. Yep, is that, that uh, I, I'm hoping it seems like the fandom's coming around. I keep posting in these He-Man groups where people go, "No," but there's always these few people who go, "Hmm." So you say it's good. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then lastly, let me get something to drink here. <clears throat> Lastly, I'm getting into Judge Dredd. Have you ever read that? Oh, I've not read it religiously, but of course I'm familiar with it. I know it has a <clears throat> big reputa- reputation. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 like one of my first dipping my toes into it and finding out like the main thrust is that Judge Dredd and the judges it's a fascist regime. Um, and like they the, like the story I'm reading right now is like how they're trying to make sure this like uh, little. <clears throat> Flare of democracy is happening, and they're trying to stamp it out. And it's really great science fiction 
because mm. like they're doing it so that everyone isn't being neither side is being cartoonishly evil, although the judges are being pretty evil, but you can see the world that they live in, you know, humanity's on the brink and there is no wiggle room at this point in time of humanity so that they need, they feel they need to have this fascist order to make sure that, you know, humanity doesn't destroy itself. And the art, the cyberpunking, it's all freaking triple A tier. And I know people I like a lot, a lot of famous writers have had like Judge Jed runs. So it's got like an infamous like oh, mythology yeah. that's been built up. I forget. It's like it published in 2018 mainly. Um, Mainly, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm dancing around. So, like, right now I'm trying to stick with, like, the original stuff done by the original guy, John Wagner. Uh, and then the the short stories I did get, it has John Wagner and one of my favorite guys of all time, Garth Ennis. So I can't wait to see <laughs> I know he's, him uh, in action again. Uh, also, did you, just out of curiosity, <clears throat> uh, did you enjoy uh, Star Wars Visions and the Boys Diabolical, speaking of uh, anime anthologies and Garth Ennis? Um... Oh, um, Visions, yes, I, for some reason, still haven't seen the last episode, episode and the boys, uh, threw me off, uh. Really? <clears throat> yeah, um, I want to get back to it, uh, but the, I, I'm, The boys TV series or the boys animated yeah. series? I haven't seen the animated series whatsoever. Oh, okay. Is it good? Uh, yeah, well, it's basically, it's an anthology sh- thing, so. Oh, It's okay. less canon, like but, um, you know, each one is a different style, each one is a little short story, each one is a different tone and creator. One was done by, like, um, what's her name? Aquafina. Another one was done by Justin Roiland. Uh, there was one Ooh. where Garth Enos, uh, did it, and it, like, it emu- yeah, and it emulates the original art style of the boys' comic. That one was Sold! <laughs> Okay, I'll be watching that tonight, so, so, <laughs> probably. So the butcher actually looks like the butcher, uh, and, you know, Huey looks like Simon Pegg, <clears throat> like he was originally intended, like God intended. <laughs> cool. All right, yeah, then I think uh, I'll be watching it. So, yeah, Garth Ennis uh, in it. Yeah, uh, that was my favorite one. You know, most, most of them, some of them are comedic, some of them are more serious. Uh, it's less like boys' canon. It's more just like, uh, okay, there's a... Uh, a corporation that makes cre- you know chemicals that turn people into superpowers and gives them superpowers. What kind of stories do you want to tell? Uh, so uh, cool. I had a lot of fun with it, a lot of different tones, uh, and I appreciated it. Yeah, I think uh, so. <clears throat> I, I, I read the boys when it was coming out, and uh, that threw me off too because Garth Ennis, I, he's one of my favorite writers of all time. I love him to death. He goes too hard on much how much he hates <laughs> superheroes. Too hard. I'm like. Everyone was like, I was like, God damn, dude, chill out. He's like, no, he's doing this and that. Like, <laughs> he really hates fucking superheroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he really fucking hates you. Like all those pent up rage, but he is a great writer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that reminds me. One last thing I'm kind of curious in, uh, to ask you in regards of loving. Uh, I, I, you didn't like Peacemaker? <clears throat> oh, uh, weird. That, okay. Peacemaker. <clears throat> I'm a little weird about because I am a disciple of James Gunn, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> uh, it, I felt like I was just watching him fuck around. Like, every episode felt like they were having a lot of fun fucking around with each other, versus me watching a story that is well written. I can't, or I can't, uh, <clears throat> I, 
I'll tell you this much. Uh, I got there's this friend of mine. It was funny the one he was calling me a second ago, uh, mm-hmm. and you know we're like, oh, we're gonna watch it together. But he's one of those friends where it's like he's really difficult to pin down. And he always like keeps on pushing it back. Right. He's like, oh, we'll see. You come over tomorrow. Come over tomorrow. And I'm like, fuck you, Jimmy. God damn it. <laughs> so I've seen five episodes of Steve Baker. I haven't seen the last three, so I can't confirm or deny or defend. Uh, I, I don't feel like it's right, but I I I I, I so far have thoroughly enjoyed it. I think James Gunn did. Uh, <clears throat> a really good job of playing with his sensibilities and building a team. Uh, I, I enjoy the twist of like uh, what you call it, uh, AOD being like Amanda Waller's daughter. Mm-hmm. I think that's really fun. Uh, I, yeah, I'm surprised to see you. I was hearing you on Facebook. You're like, uh, I don't like it. And uh, was it just because it feels like uh, it doesn't take itself seriously enough? Or too yes, too goofy. Like because like yeah, like I, I want to. Um, I James Gunn is my top dog. Uh, and also, them having fun isn't a bad thing. It's just that, like, th- that's part of, like, I'm watching it, I'm seeing that they all seem so happy, but it's just, like, <clears throat> not, a, not a coherent, completely, it's, yeah, it's too silly. There you go. It's, it's just too silly. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Like, it's just too, haha, check it out, this little Asian guy, he, it's, the fight is just funny because of that. Like it, I, it is kind of just like I feel like I'm watching you guys uh, get high and and fall over each other laughing in tears, which is a good thing. But for me, <clears throat> it's not a compelling story. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I guess the argument is that like, <clears throat> everything around them is taken semi seriously. But the um, peacemaker uh, and vigilante characters are basically Arrested Development fourteen-year-old boys. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, and that's the sort of <clears throat> logic that comes from the humor. And it's like one of those things where I want to argue with you, but like I feel like I need to see the full series before I, I like get into that argument. Like I, I, I don't have a discussion because like I'm not, I'm not getting why I'm not clicking with it or why I'm resistant to click with it because. I want to support my boy, but man, it's strange though that like you enjoy because well, I know you you like you don't mind comedy, but you also like the, the kind of ridiculous things to be kind of like taken seriously. Ridiculous. Yeah, and, Take, and ridiculous like, taken seriously. And, and where like, yeah, Peacemaker is just kind of like you know, <clears throat> kicking the piss out of him because he's kind of like a ridiculous dumb character. Yeah, and to me, like I I take it too personally as if. What are you saying? All superheroes are stupid. <laughs> <clears throat> is how that's how I react to that kind of art. Like, are you ashamed of um, cool suits and stuff? Is, you just can't take it. I to <clears throat> me, I, oh, I hope you're all right there. I, I, to me, I read it more as not so much that we're ashamed as mm-hmm. much as um, Peacemaker is a dumb character from the obscure panels of. Uh, DC history, what does it look like when you take this character who has almost like this two-dimensional worldview of good and evil, and you throw him in a semi-realistic world? And that's where the comedy comes from. I mean, I'll say this much. Out of all the people in Suicide Squad, Peacemaker was not the character I wanted to have a series. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I I do think it's got that off-kilter James Gunn sensibility I love. Uh, I I love the, uh, whatchamacallit, um... Uh, the opening sequence where they're all dancing. 
Yes. And I, 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 I do think that, like, James Gunn does a really good job of, like, selling the team dynamic of them and earning it. And I also like how he can still on this ground to be, like, edgy, but still socially responsible edgy. So nobody really – and it doesn't also feel preachy. Mm, yeah. It's definitely not that. <clears throat> yeah. I, even, the opening, uh, even, the, even the opening dance number makes me uh, – uh, roll my eyes a little bit. Um, I don't. I'm like. I don't like. I don't like not liking it because everybody's happy. It's James Gunn. I'm gonna get some water real quick. Give yeah, me yeah. thirty seconds. Maybe right. edit this part out. Yeah, of course. That's the post production. All right, so like with Picard, you know, oh my god, a bunch of fuck ups. They don't care. This, they care. They're not fuck ups. <clears throat> it's just um, too much of a yeah. Like, it, it, I, I'm taking it too personally. Where I feel like they're making fun of what I like, mm. and they just feel that what I like is inherently dumb. And let's make a dumb dance to it to show that. We're with the cool people and not taking it too seriously. So yeah, that's why that's that's my problem with it. Mm. <clears throat> and did you see all the episodes, or did you just see like the first two? All the episodes, because okay, so, I want to so support him. Yeah, you do enjoy it. I, I do love James Gunn, and I you know think the world needs his brand of uh, comedy and entertainment. And God bless him for <laughs> being able to survive in our ecosystem. Yeah, and also hopefully I I, I make a. <clears throat> I'm also open to maybe coming around to it and i keep on trying to because like i also very much didn't like guardians of the galaxy 2 when i first saw the theater i came out of that theater going ah. but then uh Lindsay ellis did her she, review she, on it she did a, she did a, did a really uh, yeah i did like her her take she did a really i still don't like it but i i, I think that's a, the best defense of like appreciating it yeah as high art that i've ever seen so that, I, that take that is, on it changed how i saw it so when i came back to it this a masterwork for me now. Mm. To me, I, I still think it's a little too episodic for my likings, where it feels like each guardian goes in their own separate TV show episode versus one mm-hmm. story, and then in the last thirty minutes, it's like, ah, all right, we got to tell a unified story now. Yeah, uh, I, I guess, I guess, I, I really love the heart that each story had, and then uh, I love all the designs. And uh, my only problem is, uh, did you guys destroy the Milano? Please tell me you didn't destroy the Milano. <laughs> like I, every time like James Gunn makes a post about like the next movie, I'm like, so how's the Milano? Do you want to tell us if it's if it's still alive, guys? Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> also one thing I I've been geeking out a little bit that uh, I think you have too, and this is also kind of reminds me. Speaking of interacting with people, is uh, what do you think of Adi Shankar's uh, Guardians of the, Ga- of the <laughs> Justice? Guardians of Justice. I watched it. Um, <clears throat> I absolutely loved it. It seemed like a great creation. I fell out of it a little bit by the end because there was a lot of random chaos happening. Well, um, but well, I like, well, I like sorry, he well, did it. I loved the execution. Mm-hmm. Like I loved that multimedia. That to me was like so fun. I just wish that there was a. It was telling a better story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. 
I, the the way he was doing it, I think I was like watching to see like how much of this was created in the edit versus what was intended. Because <laughs> like, to to me, it felt like it's like all right, I'm gonna do the, like my dark uh, take on DC and Marvel and make my own universe. But to me, it felt like really much try hard Watchmen imitator without mm. really much to say. And like, oh well, did you know Batman's kind of fucked up? Oh, what a super- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, heroes are inherently fucked up. Like, yeah, I know they are. It it felt like really like basic bitch 13-year-old edgelord take. Especially at the end where it's like the Nighthawk guy becomes evil for like reasons I still don't fucking understand. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, I was so confused. So so was the the Superman analog, was he gay? But then the the drug memory guy altered his memories. But then Nighthawk's gay and he was gay for a bunch of... I was so... I did not understand... Like what the and then Nighthawk's just like I gotta become evil. I'm actually making an evil secret army. <laughs> yeah, I guess like to me, um, with what he was doing, it seemed like a logical endpoint of like escalation all the way. But <sighs> it, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it was the cleanest execution of a of a of a coherent narrative. It's like one of those things that like I I want to love this. I am so on board. I love this presentation. This is so fun and cool. Mm-hmm. But Jesus, well, Adi Shankar is like a really because he's basically like one of us who actually got to make it. Yes, I, I don't know how. I've not found the connecting bridge. I don't know if he's like because you, you don't go to fucking L.A. and just become like a, a movie producer. That, that, that's not how this shit works. So I don't know if he came from like a rich family. I'm always looking for that link, that missing link of where he went from college to, you know, doing cool movie shit. But I, I think his real talent is like getting people like Warren Ellis to write the Castlevania series and picking cool video games and doing cool adaptations. But I, I don't think he's a great writer in and of himself. <clears throat> May he never listen to this. I'm sorry. Okay, so- uh, uh, Addy, you are great. I don't know if you'll ever listen to this. I think you were the cool guy who's making all the cool geek shit. Yes. But he, your love and appreciation is kind of basic for why you like these things. But look, I'll, uh, maybe maybe he would know. Like, yeah, we're all not the best at our job. Um, it, it, like, Because, it, like, the reason why I want to, like... Uh, so, I thought... He'll uh, probably never listen to this. So, yeah, so I thought like he was the main man behind Castlevania, but apparently he wasn't. Well, I, was... I know he's he's a producer role on it. I don't know if he has a creator credit, but I I know he had like a big instrumental role, and uh, then a big falling out. Oh, really? Well, well that, yeah, that him and was it Grant Morrison writing it or uh, Warren? Warren? Well, I know Warren Ellis, Warren but Ellis? I don't know yeah, if they they fought. All right, so yeah. here's what I know. I know Warren Ellis <clears throat> got into like a Me Too controversy, like the most weak sauce. Uh, Me Too controversy of all time. Basically, you know, he he, he slept with fangirls at conventions. He like he basically did the. the oh no! Rock okay, star. I, I don't. I apologize. I, I, I definitely don't mean to laugh at that. Because uh, <laughs> like it's just like I, he he he. Uh, it was like early two thousands, late nineties. Uh, there's a friend of mine. He, he was flirting with her. It was just like it was just. <laughs> So the, the, to find out that it's just, it's, and like, and she always had this kind of like snicker roll her eyes at him because you know he, he's just another guy, and it's it, it, so so that um, from there it's progressed into he he got into trouble with messing out with all these like fangirls that he was 
messaging apparently it, it just yeah he was just like you know popping up <clears throat> basically you know you're super special like uh, well he, here's my thing about the Warren Ellis cancellation mm-hmm. um I think what he did was skeezy and sleazy yes but it wasn't illegal uh, it was okay. basically just like rock stars uh, you know sleeping with groupies only mm-hmm. the dweeby comic book version of it yes um you know, which isn't illegal, so I, I don't <clears throat> think that's a cancelable offense. It's, you know, it just means like if you see him in a convention and he's paying you too much attention, uh, maybe you don't believe everything he's saying. I don't think it's a cancelable <laughs> offense, but because right, right, right. you know the era we live in is like, oh, he's grooming me. He did all these blah blah blah. He's gaslighting mm-hmm. me. He promised me everything. He's going to turn me into oh. the IRL uh, filthy assistant. Um, so obviously there was a, the chickens came to roost and he was kicked off of I think uh, the, the Castlevania series. Warren Ellis was yeah Warren Ellis. He's no longer on like because there's another season. Coming, yeah yeah. He, well there's I think there's a spinoff <clears throat> series that's going to take place in the future and he he's not on it. Yikes! Because I did finish I finally did finish uh, that full series and god damn that was good. Yeah uh, yeah there you go. Could could have had a Halo series for that. <laughs> so uh yeah if he's not gonna because i was i'm on board for more but if he's not gonna be him that's uh, a bummer. i hope they get a good replacement he he did a great job elevating that material uh yeah. it, it did not have any right to be as uh well written as it was but it was yeah, certainly a delight easy. <laughs> uh so not easy replacing yeah. good <laughs> So, you know, I, I don't know if Adi Shankar or Warren Ellis, what their personal relationship is, um, but I, I will say that it did not feel like Warren Ellis wrote the Guardians of Justice. No. No. <laughs> but by the same token, <clears throat> though, I did appreciate the bootleg universe, the aesthetic, you know, you know, all the cool, like, the anime, and then going to, like, a video game sequence, and then pixel art, and then live action, and... <laughs> Explosively creative. I, I, I loved seeing that. That was, yeah. uh, was fun to unfold. That was a fun project to watch unfold. So, all right. <clears throat> um, anything else uh, that we should bring up? Because I think I'm about to ready to wrap this up. I think uh, we've, we've got a good uh, two plus hours to for forever. Your guy's going to edit it to make a decent podcast. Yep. Um, was there any other nerd thing that? Uh, oh, oh, well, this is one random aside. Um, you ever hear of Platinum End? No. Uh, so what? All right. Insert Inception music. What if I told you that the creator of Death Note and Bakuman made a new series, the artist-writer team, and it was about angels trying to fight to choose the new god in a god death match with death note mind games and the series was complete dog shit oh no <laughs> oh no I, 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 I'm always surprised when it happens like when geniuses lay down turds like yeah what happened I don't oh, know that's I bummer. don't know I've had a lot of fun dragging my fun friend Greg through the terrible anime adaptation of the terrible series it is so you might find get a weird kick out of it for no reason. It becomes a Sentai battle series where like Ooh. one of the guys who's like an angel god candidate like starts wearing Sentai battle armor and flies around. And What's then, this called? Uh, Platinum End. 
Like, like for, for for half the series, it becomes like this weird Sentai battle manga, which is so confusing because this is not built to be a battle manga. This is not built to be a, a, a battle story. These You do not have the mechanics to, to make this work. And, and uh, is this a manga or anime? It, or which it, one are you talking about? It's both. <laughs> it was a manga that became an anime. It was a bad manga that became a bad anime. Did you see both? Yes, I saw both. Damn, dude. <laughs> Platinum End on Crunchyroll. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll give the first episode a spin. Take a look. Take it. I think you'll find it very interesting. Uh, oh, boy. <coughs> will you, you see a downgrade. Uh, but I also include a links to the comedy manguin, Shoen Shota, and uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Goodbye Airy in the uh, chat for this. So feel free to check those yeah. out when you get a chance. Cool. Uh, but uh, I, think right. that, I think that, uh, that ends uh, all I've got for today. Rock on. So, where can we find more of your work on the internet? Uh, you can check it out on Lobster Magnet uh, Reviews. Uh, j- just type that into Google. You'll My SEO is good enough that you'll probably get to my channel, and you can check out all my video essays. Um, and go watch all of those. Uh, comment on them. I'll probably read your comments, since I, I read most of my comments. Cool. <clears throat> and for myself, you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com you can find me on twitter at keith hayward um on uh, instagram as at keith justice and same for my twitch so thank you guys for hanging with us for two hours of dorking out and uh we look forward to walk uh geeking with you again where we talk about i don't know book of boba fett and just a lot of stuff coming out so oh we'll see you next episode yeah next episode Uh, god i i don't want to have another hour but um could you give me like a two minute take of uh, Spider Man No Way From Home? What oh my god, about? yes, we were supposed to talk about that. Um, but Bloody loved it. Bloody well loved it. Um, it's doing all, all these piles of things that everybody thought was impossible would never happen, and then it did happen. A little too cookie cutter with like t- tying up everything. <laughs> uh, but had so much fun seeing the three Spider Man fight together in a way that I almost all we thought would only happen within meme pictures. Yeah, uh, I I loved it too. I thought it was great. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things you could nitpick about it, like you know the kind of flat direction of uh, the the you know the the home trilogy guy who's kind of like a really journeyman director. Um, yes. The fact that like it was filmed during COVID and it looks like a lot of scenes, all the people aren't in the same room. Yep. Um, the kind of okay action sequences, the plot holes, but what it gets right of like doing the impossible, getting all these characters back, and also giving them satisfying ends and great character arcs. Um, easily outweighs the flaws. It was a tremendous amount of fun. Never thought they would be able to do it, but uh, you know, it's nice when it feels like the right people are in charge of it and they give the mm-hmm. people what they wanted. And they even retroactively redeemed the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man. That that was yes. brilliant. It was so sweet seeing them all together. Um, and I, I also loved the fact that they gave the villains little redemption stories. It was really sweet and perfect and a great capsule. It was funny to see that, like, you know, uh, this, this was Spider-Boy, but he becomes Spider-Man at the end of it and sets up a, a new status quo where Sony will inevitably ruin it as they try and jam him with Venom and Morpheus. Mm, if they do... Like, they did, like... I keep on seeing them inch toward it and then backing away. And... <laughs> Yeah, I'm wondering, like, what's what's really going on? Because I remember that there's, like, Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige. Uh, they're in some interview together, and Amy Pascal kept on going, yeah, yeah, you know, 
know, they're kind of like, you know, one one universe. And Kevin Feige was like, um. <laughs> and yeah, so they're trying, but I'm not sure how much they that Marvel really wants to because so it keeps on laying down trash. Well, it's a really interesting dynamic because I think Amy Pascal knows that Kevin Feige's got the touch and the better you work with him and do his ideas, the better movies you'll make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like, you know, they, they, they want that involvement, but they also want to feel like we can have our own superhero universe. People love <laughs> Venom. And it's like, Dude. no, 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 they don't. They don't like Morbius. You're, you're not good <laughs> at this. I know you think you are. And they know that like the minute that they go independent, you know, they'll give uh, Tom Holland, like the, the, the foster child being fostered on the Harry Potter being sent to the Dursleys and they will never look back and never acknowledge him and never like do anything so it, it, it is it is their desire for money versus their own vanity and greed next up for sony is madam web <laughs> oh my god it's really happening it's really happening like they cast a young young lady to be madam web because that is such a terrible idea almost as bad as the aunt may movie no no this this will make it so they have a, a female character that's above superman like, is the god of all of them. So doesn't she just shit, sit in a chair and, and like look at different timelines? I remember her from like the Spider-Man cartoon I loved in the nineties. Isn't that all Madam Web does? Yep, but I guess it, it creates a character that can you know multiverse. Oh god! And then they can finally get their sinister six movie that they want so fucking badly. Yeah, well, the we'll multiverse see. is the best is going to be the best and worst things. Uh, you know, in the hands of uh, great filmmakers, it's a great way to. Um, make everything retroactively make good things bad, but it's also a way to ruin terrible things and let shitty people. I, I heard the end of Morbius has this awful scene that looks like uh, where they just have like uh, Michael Keaton and come in yep. and it doesn't even look like they're talking. And it's like, Hey, you want to team up against Spider-Man? Yep. <laughs> you, like uh, you can tell they aren't in the same place, same time. And there's another one where they have their ratchet version of the uh, Falcon, not Falcon vulture suit. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, we'll see how that ends up. We'll see how that ends up. I, I don't think it's gonna end well. They're they're not gonna like Spider Verse <laughs> is a miracle that they, that was as good as it is. I hope uh, Chris Lord and Phil Miller are still there doing their juicing uh, to make the second one not suck. But yeah, uh, well, Harry, let's talk more on the next five. All right, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't force myself to go to the gym. I've eaten too much. G- gym time. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us, and we'll talk to you next time. Take it easy, and thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for having me, Keith. It was a pleasure. Thanks, dude. Take care.
Show my 